on episode 60 of Pixel Gaiden. Eric falls in love with a cute green dinosaur. We talk real-life video game injuries. We discuss our favorite video game boss fights. And Atari is into MMA now? The games that got Cody into the C64. Did you know you could buy a brand new pet? Northern California heats up. And the beers we choose get more refreshing. As we talk all things retro video games. Hello and welcome to the world's number one podcast for retro video games and retro-inspired video games. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, sir? Just sweltering in the mid-June heat. Yes, it is in the dog... What is the dog days dog of summer? Dog days of summer? The dog days of summer. Well, I am stoked. I just got back from the uh, islands of Hawaii. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm like pretty much a local now, so that's how I talk. <laughs> Dekain. It's one of my you favorite actually, places to go on vacation because you feel like you're really going somewhere, but it's still in the U.S., so you don't have to have a passport. You don't have to do any weird things. You just well, go to Hawaii. I had to do all kinds of weird COVID stuff. Yeah, of course. Which of is course. almost done, hopefully, here. But yeah, yeah. That was, uh, and, and the mask in the plane the whole time, ugh. Oh, but, that's got to be horrible. But regardless, we're not here to talk about dreary <laughs> things. That's right. Um, real quick, I want to go ahead and touch up, uh, make sure people know we are part of the Amigos Retro Gaming Network which is a fine group of, uh, of gentlemen over there, uh, encompassing a number of different podcasts, such as Amigos, Everything Amiga. Uh, they just came out with episode 304, which they did on the game Gunship 2000, exclamation point. Yes, and uh, Gunship for the Commodore 64 was one of my favorite games growing up by far. I mean, I played it with a friend of mine, and we would be co-pilot pilot and play it. Oh, and, that's the one. Okay. And Gunship 2000, though, is even better, and I've never played it, so I'm excited to hear what they have Kinda to say. Like Time Pilot 2000? Time Pilot 2000. <laughs> what is it? Time Pilot 84. 84. 84. Yeah, that's Time right. Pilot 84. <laughs> Which it always throws me because it's called Time Pilot 84, but it's got like spaceships in it. That's right. That's not 84. No, it's not. <laughs> the game came out 84. <laughs> in fact, that should be one of our segments we do for Six Good Games. Six yeah. Good Games about the future, which are now the past. Yeah. That's no, what it, we should do. There's a lot of that. Um, another show on the network, ARG Presents. They just came out with a new episode, Illegal Games, uh, encompassing games such as My Little Pony Fighting is Magic. Yeah. And Casey Munchkin, which of course is on the uh, Magnavox Odyssey 2. Yes. I was, yeah, you, you, it is, and it's a, it's a great game. The Casey Munchkin? Munchkin? Yeah. The Pac-Man clone? Yeah, I've played it before. It's a lot of fun. You said you were, you were listening to that on the way over? I was listening to that on the way over, and I was listening to all the controversy surrounding My Little Pony fighting is magic. Fighting <laughs> is magic. Yeah. I never <clears> thought about it. I've heard of that game before. I never put it together and thought about it. That's bizarre. Right, but the, the story about it is really bizarre, too, so you should hear Aaron well, have uh, to take a spin the yarn about it. ARG presents over there with, uh, with our boys. Yep. Uh, they also recently did a, an episode on modern games, including Shadow over Hawksmill, which they gave me a shout-out, which was awesome. They did give you a shout-out, and they had high pr- high praise. High praise. Uh, Shadow of Hawksmill, of course, a Cthulhu game, uh, modern, recently made of what you last year on the Commodore 64. Sprite Castle, our boy Rob O'Hara, mm-hmm. did episode 60 on the game Ballblazer. Yep. 
for the C64. Um, R. Sinclair on the ZX Spectrum uh, went ahead and did episode 71 and talked about a game called Speed. Which I've never played that one, So, and I want to. After hearing them talk about it, it sounded like it would be worth time playing it. Yeah, it was a mashup between a couple of games, uh, yeah. which are escaping me right now, but... Uh, and then finally, The Coco Show, episode 20, a game called Springster, which is a Coco 3 exclusive, I believe. Yeah. So I haven't tried that one yet, too. So I'll give that a shot. Uh, also, real quick, I want to make sure you guys know that Amigathon 2021 is coming up um, July 24th, starting at 12 noon UTC, whatever that means. Um <laughs> In aid of extra life, playing games to heal kids. Uh, find out more details. To donate, go to Amigathon.com. Do it for the kids. Um, That's what I always say. Another quick note I wanted to make sure uh, our one of our Patreon followers, RamOKRamOK, has a great website, which I've been delving into a lot lately. Yeah. He recently released some forums, so if you want to pop onto his forums and a uh, little discussion on retro video games, banter going on there at RamOKRamOK.com forward slash forums. And then coming up on this episode, Eric, we've got an Eric's take. What are you talking about today? I am talking about Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. It's a long name. Gotcha. But, but I uh, I beat it. Dun, 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 dun. No, oop, oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler some... alert. Yeah, I do have buttons. Hold, hold on. I'll launch the you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am impressed. Yeah. Um, and then Tea Time with Tim, which yes. we actually don't know what it's about yet. So that's going to be a surprise to all of us. It's a top secret. Top secret subject. I, I don't know what it is either. And, of course, we're going to do a little bit of news. But before we do anything else, Eric, what are we going to delve into? Quick questions. Quick questions. <clears throat> First one is our community question, which is... <laughs> do you like this one I came up with? Yeah. Have you ever been physically injured while playing a video game? <laughs> and uh, you know, while you look those up, because we did that, we got a couple, we got a, quite a few uh, people with with injuries on either, this on the Discord server. We got some people yeah, writing back. Yeah, either slight slight injuries or more severe ones. We we've got we, it runs the gamut. Well, let's go ahead and start down with uh, Hernski. Yeah. Who said he got a black eye when his son was playing golf on the Wii and, and sent the controller flying after taking a swing. Yeah. I think everyone who's owned a Wii has thrown a controller at one point or another. And if anybody's on YouTube, especially during that era, you'd see like TVs being destroyed and, <laughs> and brothers and sisters <laughs> being hit in the head. I mean, that, that was a, you know, it was a, kind of a joke. But Nintendo said, put the strap on. <laughs> well, then yours wasn't here, but I'll let you tell yours, your own one. I think I like yours the best. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Lord, so... Lord, oh, yeah, we'll get to Lord yeah. Soup. I got an RSI, which repetitive. What is it? Repetitive strain, Stress, strain, strain stress? injury, repetitive like carpal strain tunnel, injury. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, from playing Zagaban TK one weekend. Don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Either. It started to hurt, but I was so hooked on Ag- Angband, <laughs> Angband, Ang Zangband, Angband. I don't know. He spells it two different ways. I kind of ignored the pain. Still complains sometimes to this day. Um. Yeah, I guess it was a game. It was a PC game, but uh, okay. apparently a great roguelite. I guess we should probably look into that someday, huh? We should. Um, Hermski double dipped and uh, remembers as a <laughs> child getting a joystick ca- wire caught around an ornamental figurine, pulling it crashing to the ground after getting a tad excited. Um, that was not the event that caused the injury. However, the huge clip around my ear when my mom came storming in was. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Mitsuyama said, other than getting blisters on my hands from playing too long, can't remember... Uh, oh, he can remember getting the skin on his fingers nipped in the trackball on Missile Command. Wow. On the, probably the arcade version, right? Oh, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. If you keep, yeah, I can see that. Well, you got loose skin. Yeah. <laughs> loose you got loose skin. fitting skin. <laughs> you get sucked in by that trackball. Um, same thing happened to Lord Soup on Centipede, apparently. And, uh, let's see here. Ba-ba-ba-ba-bomb. Oh, here it was. Uh, our boy, our boy Tim, yeah. our fellow showmate Tim, said uh, he could hardly breathe. <clears throat> he was laughing so hard when his his wife's uncle tried out the shark dive experience on the PlayStation VR. He says, "Oh my goodness, it was so funny." He was crying, and his stomach and jaw ached from laughing. So he got hurt watching his uncle almost get hurt. <laughs> I can see. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ram okay, Ram okay. Got blisters from playing Speedball Two on the Amiga. Uh, I wonder what controller that would be. I want. We need more details. We need controller specific yeah. information. Mm-hmm. Was it a? Uh, uh, was it a Speed King or was it a? Uh, was it a Tac Two? Yeah, who knows? A Tac Two would survive before your hands went out. Uh, Barkbit said Team Seventeen had a small game on a cover disc once called Waggalomania. That just sounds bad. That did, <laughs> sounds bad all around. But I could uh, like those summer games. You could I could see people getting pretty bad blisters from those. back and forth, right? Yeah, Waggling just going the back and forth. Yep. There you go. My poor Tech Two got a firm beating on that one, and so did my hand. Boom. Uh, there you go. Uh, Josh Malone wasn't me, but the owner got a nasty shot from the Millipede cab when, cab when we first brought it up at the arcade. Some idiot had wired the AC neutral into the chassis ground up by the marquee light. Oof. So he became uh, he became the neutral. He, he got an injury <laughs> not not playing the game, but I didn't say he had to be yeah, playing it. That's true. Well, that touches bases on mine. Um, now, I did do the fair, my fair share, especially when I was younger. I'm better now. Okay. Of uh, getting so into a game, getting frustrated that I, I would either squeeze the controller, especially the NES one that had pointy shoulders until yeah. my hands hurt, yeah. or chucking it, and luckily it didn't break things to my knowledge. Probably should have. Right. <laughs> but I'm going to have to say, fixing up these Commodores and things, mm-hmm. pulling out chips with my bare hands, don't do it. Because what happens is all of a sudden they'll pop off at once, flip over, and those 24 pins become 24 serrated knives that go straight into your flesh. Yeah. And I've done that more than a handful of times. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and I can feel it right now. Like I it's a specific pain because they're so the, those legs are so small and sharp. They're almost like little needles but but a little wider, so they're little knives. <laughs> yeah. Each exactly. one's a little knife, 24 little knives. What was yours, Eric? Well, so we, we used to take Rock Band really seriously when, when uh, me and my family and neighbors and friends. And so we bought an actual throne for our, uh, our drum set. And uh, we would always get drunk playing this. And I remember getting drunk and I was like, oh, I'm going to drum. And drunk I Rock there, Band. And I just go to sit down on the throne and I literally fall over and hit the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Exactly. It sounded exactly <laughs> like that. Yeah. So I, it, was, it was a drunken Rock Band drum injury i love it yeah my quick question to you is yeah. what have been your favorite boss fights or bosses in a game for whatever reason difficulty appearance w- just anything you, you get to pick the criteria cool um i i do love boss fights in general um i love platforming boss fights for yeah. or, or running gun tile boss fights I'm, I'm going to have to say the first one that I can really remember that it has most nostalgia for me is going to be the one I like the most. And I remember, for whatever reason, uh, on the NES Rescue Rangers, the very last boss is, uh, was it Fat Cat? 
I, you, I don't think I've ever made it that far. <laughs> okay, it's, it's not a hard game. If you ever want to beat right. a game, play some Rescue Rangers. It's fun and beatable. Um, and basically, he has a cigar and he ashes it. Oh, and you wow. pick up the ash and throw it back at him. Oh, I didn't. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was just I love those kind of boss fights where you kind of figure out how to do it, and once you figure out how to do it, it's very doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first one I remember that. And then, of course, that's the boss you beat the game. So it felt like an accomplishment to me back then. Yeah. Especially back then, I had never beaten a whole lot of games. So that's going to be my number one. Rescue Rangers? Fat Cat and Rescue Rangers on the <laughs> NES. I, I think one my most memorable bosses might have been one from one of my earliest memories on a PC was playing Wolfenstein 3D. Okay. And the boss is, I mean, you obviously know who it is, right? Mecha Hitler. Spoiler exactly. alert. First, it's Hitler. You're paying these, <laughs> the Hitler's like the little sub-bosses, and you, you keep kind of beating him up, and then he runs away or whatever. I, I, my memory's kind of f- fading on that. I think you beat him a few times, and then he runs away, and then when he comes back the final time, he's Mecha Hitler. Mecha Hitler. With the four giant Gatling guns. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. There's like four yeah. Gatling guns. Um, I remember that one, and then in more recent history, Handsome Jack on um, on uh, Borderlands. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought that one was a fun one. Uh, I never beat him actually. Was that, I got, were I got, you were on top of like a tower, and he was bouncing around. Different. It's kind of like a little arena, but it might, I yeah. can't remember if it was on a tower or not. But it's it's a, an enclosed area, and he's just running around. And man, I play. I tried to beat him four or five times, and like I'd get him right down to the last little piece of health, and I would lose. And finally, yeah. I just got frustrated. And I was well, like, and then, then he would like run off and hide and gain health back, right? That's right. <laughs> and so I was <laughs> like, jerk. I'm not. I'm not I considered it a spiritual win, even though it wasn't a real win. <laughs> a moral victory. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, if you guys want to hop on Discord and partake, let's go ahead and give everybody a little information so they can do so. So, if you want to find show information, you're going to go to pixelguiden.com. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me, Eric Nelson, at Duh Project, D-U-H Project. You can reach the show at at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Cody at at oddball, which is O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim at Sanction, at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use. That would be really helpful for us. And if you want to email us, you can email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we do encourage feedback. We also have a Patreon account set up. So if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. This week, let's check out what's coming up at the Midnight Movie Theater. This summer, coming to a cinema near you, an exciting, high-octane set of movies from Pixel Guide and Studios. A custodian from South Detroit is tired of what his city's become. Featuring the transcendent Henrik Lofel, the palpable Dustin Newell, the enamored Matthew Ackerman, and up-and-coming star, the pungent Daniel James. 
When the going gets tough, the tough take out the trash. The magnanimous Josh Malone is the janitor. Self-proclaimed pacifist David Vincent was put into prison for a crime he did not commit. But now, with a sentence of 20 to life, the tables have turned. Featuring the hyperactive 10-minute Amiga Retrocast, the perplexed Roy Fielding, the clamorous Mr. Toast, and the slimy Maciej Sosnowski, comes a heart-pounding new film about a self-made cyborg gone rogue. Death Row better watch its back when they encounter Paranoid Paradroid. In a sleepy town in West Virginia, isolated and alone, strange things begin to happen when a few families begin to marry and murder. Featuring the shiny Ramoke Ramoke, the brackish Ant Stiller, the overglad Mitsuyama, and the Vasenik Hermski. Family bloodlines and the paranormal coexist in Kissing Cousin Poltergeist. And finally, a fun-loving tale about a boy, his dog, and an animated human arm? The Tellable Citizen, the notated Gary Heather, and the Ursary Brian Arsenal take command when they answer the question, How do you take care of a pet human appendage? Coming this summer, and now for your feature presentation. Thank you, one and all. Yeah, thank you, Patreon subscribers. Um, Eric, because mm. of our Patreon subscribers, we are financially stable enough to purchase beer. Yes, and we need it. We need it. It is it is smeltering it is. here in this June heat. So while Eric grabs that beer, Here's some uh, frosty I, will, mug. I will let you know what our boy Tim let us know, because he checked our weather before we did. Yeah. And we've got some 110 days coming up here. Yep. Which uh, usually happens once or twice a year. Uh, it's gotten. It's coming next week, right? Or in a couple days? Uh, a couple days. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're heading that direction, but um, beers are getting lighter. And uh, Eric, you provided all the beers for this particular episode. I did, and uh, this one is the one I specifically picked uh, because Oof. it sounded really familiar. It's Oof. so cold; I've got chunks of ice falling on the desk. That's perfect. <laughs> so this one is from a local brewery. Mm -hmm. I was actually I mean, there just uh, right before I went to Hawaii. Right on. It's in Auburn, California, which is I don't know a forty-minute drive, thirty-five. Yeah, forty. Like yeah. That. It's by Crooked Lane Brewery. It's called. Bamberg Calling, which is an amber smoked lager. Ooh, I never had a smoked lager. Me either. A six percent ABV. Um, let me read this. In pre-industrial beers, malted grains were often dried over flames, imparting a smoky flavor. Lies. I don't believe it. Malting has evolved, but breweries in Bamberg, Germany, which is hence the Bamberg name, okay, uh, keep the tradition alive in. Roche beer, an amber lager with a distinct smokiness that's balanced with an amber malt backbone. Ooh, I do, I do enjoy a good backbone in my beer. <laughs> so I've had some Crooked Lane before. Mm -hmm. uh, never a bad beer, but never a great beer. Correct. So that's the way I feel too. But I had never seen this one, so I'm holding hope. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. So before we uh, put liquid to lips, we have a tradition here on the show. And it's a strange one we have where we say cheers and touch glasses. Cheers. Ah. All right, I'm going in. I'm going in. <laughs> yes. Um, 
It, let, well, I'll explain. The, it's a, definitely an amber beer, and it looks somewhat unfiltered. Um, no, I think it's filtered. Yeah. We have frosty glasses. I'll tell you right now, after one sip, this is my favorite Crooked Lane beer I've had. I, you're, I think you're right. I, 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 I'm going to agree with you. It's got a lot of flavor, a lot of malt flavor. I love ambers, mm-hmm. regardless. This is a good solid amber. Yeah. But you, it definitely has a sm- I don't know how they did it. Well, I guess it said they did it in the process. They explained it, but yeah. it smoked. Yeah, because they, 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 from what it said, what we just read, they smoked the malt, right? Or, or is it the hops? Grains. It sounds like it was the, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, the whole, when they were in the, doing the wort process before they, before they poured liquid in, or yep. put it in the liquid. Malted grains were dried over flames, imparting a smoky flavor. So that's yep. interesting. Dude, that's good. I like it. That is really good. And you would think they would do that a lot back when from Reinheinskabut, where they don't add any additional things other than the, it's the purity law, right? I forget what the, what the ingredients were, hops, malts, grain, I don't know. But that's one way to add flavor, right? Is just naturally smoke it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well that chosen, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you. agree. So I think <laughs> we're going to go simple on this rating scale. Okay. Um, I don't know what, oh, Bamberg, that's right. Um, I don't know how, what, what you'd put on here. Okay, so smoked. <laughs> well, it's At, from, I was going to say something, but it's not really. <laughs> oh, are you censoring yourself right now, Eric? Well, I, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it. You're going to, you're going to get some stupid location completely wrong and upset the huge market we have there. It had to do with Mecca Hitler. Oh, shit. <laughs> Well, it's smoked. So, out of a out of a wheel of smoked gouda. Okay, ooh, I like smoked gouda. All right, I like smoked gouda. Okay, yeah. I like wheels of cheese in general. Uh, yeah. Uh, how much of a wheel would you give this one? Oh, for out of like a hundred percent. Yeah, the I mean, wheel. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a solid. Uh, I'm gonna give it a solid eighty-eight percent of a wheel. Okay. I like it. I think you it's great. This is fantastic. I agree. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Well, Eric, I'm going to go ahead... And it's a tall boy, too. And match you. 88. Cheers, Cheers. 88. Bam. That was a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. I like it. And it's going down quick. Uh, Beer is done. Quick questions are done. Eric, I think it's time for the news. Uh, first item of news before we get too far. Um, uh, first of all, we have no errata or feedback because we're, per- we're perfect. <laughs> we're perfect. Actually, bearded son of Nell did did say yeah. he loves the show and gives us a thumbs up. But oh, that's but nice. I'm not going to mention it because it sounds like we're just patting our own back at that point. <laughs> um, it is feedback. It is. It's feedback. It's good feedback. Thank you, bearded son of Nell. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention that if you guys hadn't noticed i did succeed in posting my first video yeah uh shortly after our last episode released in which um i put video to my cody's corner segment and i plan on trying to do that monthly from now on Ooh. um i don't know if you and 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 tim have anything to add video wise since you guys started this whole thing off my video game is weak so i'm gonna try (laughs) i'm trying your Um, video game or your video game videos (laughs) my video game video yeah exactly (laughs) Um, so if you want to, you can hop on youtube.com forward slash pixel guidance. See us there. Uh, sometimes Tim does Twitch stream mm-hmm. at twitch TV or twitch.tv forward slash pixel guidance. Uh, we'd love it if you could subscribe to both channels 
and do all that bell ringing and all that good stuff that I honestly don't understand very well. Yeah. I just make the videos. Um, or else Sh- you can just, shaking hands, kissing babies, touching bells. I don't know what that is. I, I think you kiss a baby. I think it's how you subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Like kiss kissing the baby. babies. Yep. If you don't have a baby, just find somebody in your neighborhood and go kiss their baby. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyways, we're in the news. And uh, first item of news I wanted to bring up is there has finally been some update with the uh, handheld device that was long upcoming called the Playdate. <laughs> Do you remember that thing? I remember when we talked about it on the show and we were we were... Um, I would say optimistic about it. I think we were pretty positive and optimistic about it. Um, tell us about some of this new news, though, because I think it's starting to sour my optimism a yeah. little bit. Well, I think you and I were, were not on, necessarily on board to buy it because it looked like a kind of well-built device with a hand crank, which is its unique feature. And everyone's yep. like, ooh, it's a hand crank. I think it's more of a gimmick. I don't know how many games, except for maybe a fishing game, could like really take advantage of that. Right. Um, and it looked pretty limited as far as Hard, you know, hardware, what it can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool bit of kit. But here's the issue. Um, the update they announced is a price hike. Oof. Already. Mm-hmm. Hasn't even come out yet. It does come with more games, however. All right. Um, and then, of course, just a, a video update. Um, so now, I believe, if I can confirm it right here, yep, the final price is now 190 or $179. Wow. Um, I just clicked on something I didn't want to. Uh, however, to make up for that, they've doubled the in- internal storage to four gigabytes. Although I can't imagine how big the games on this thing would be, anyways. Right. That could just be because they can't find two gigabyte RAM somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, that, that could very well be because of the component shortage, this yeah. worldwide component so- shortage. But <clears throat> so for people who don't know what the Playdate looks like, it looks kind of like a small little Game Boy. It is a pretty device. I like the color. It's yeah, the yellow. physical hardware looks um, great. The, the buttons and the D-pad look really nice. The the system is looks very well put together. It has this little neat hand crank on the side. I'm not saying at all that this thing looks um, looks bad or maybe even won't be bad. But a couple of the downsides to me, it's not color. It's black and white. Um, it. It has this hand crank, like you said. I don't know how many games are really going to take advantage of that well. Uh, and now it's $179, and this thing is pretty small little device. Yeah. I mean, that, they kind of are, are excited about how small it is, but I don't know if that really does much for it. Right. Except make it harder to see. Um, I'm watching the video here right now, and you can see this girl holding this thing. Yeah. Um, there's also some kind of weird box. I don't know what that thing's all about yet. We should probably know before we talk about it on our news segment. However, the last thing they did mention um, is that with this $30 extra price hike above the original $149, they have now, quote-unquote, doubled the number of Season 1 games. So now it's 24 games that come free rather than 12. So at least they did something to make the price hike make, you know, to give back a little. Yeah. Um I don't know. It sounds like they're releasing it in seasons. Maybe a season comes with it, and you have to pay for additional seasons, or maybe they just keep releasing games. But I don't know. I don't know what what the plan is there. Anyways, yeah. But I'm gonna have to take a wait and see approach. I'm not saying it's gonna be like something I'll never get, but I I'm not gonna get it right out of the gate. I definitely want to do a wait and see. Take a look at how, what how the games are, how well they're reviewed. Uh, and, and make my decision then, but it's not something I'm doing day one for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at the video here, and they almost look like um, they almost look like uh, Macintosh games. They do a little bit, yeah. 
It's almost how I would describe the, the way it looks. They're kind of going through a whole bunch of different games here and the developers, so that's kind of cool. I'll have to watch this video and, and get to know more about it, but at that price point, yeah, I'm I'm more excited about Evercade and things like that. Yeah. We'll see. Yep. So, I'm talking about Nixie the Glade sprite for yeah, our C64 is released. Um, so, this was originally a very well-received ZX Spectrum game. So this is a, I guess you would say it's a port, but from what I understand, it, it, it's not a one to one port. So they add a, you know, enhanced sound for the Commodore 64, um, enhanced gameplay. From what I understand, this is kind of like a little, um, platformer. Yeah. So it does. Although it scrolls very well on the Commodore, which I don't think the ZX version did. I don't think so either. Uh, I saw some of the some preview. I think that's the footage you're showing right now. But I, I, it looks excellent. I'm really looking forward to this game. I could really use a, a good platformer on the Commodore 64 to to sink my teeth into, and this one looks really good. It's a, to me, it's a very ZX Spectrum style platformer. Right. And I, every time I turn on the Spectrum, every new game feels and looks like this. Mm-hmm. So it kind of turns me off. But this does look like it's well done. And uh, on the Commodore, I think it um, the scrolling and the music obviously are a. Uh, a step up, which is nice. It is out now, so go get it. It is. Oh, is it out? Yeah. Oh, I, I believe. I believe it can. <clears throat> I think when I first looked at it, it was not out yet. Yeah, pre-order now for July 2021. Oh, I thought the. See, I thought this was a pre-order. Yeah, for the physical copy, I thought the other version was out. Maybe not. You're right. I know I played it, so I guess I just played the uh, the Spectrum version. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hop back here. And you will notice that we already talked about this, but Ram OK, Ram OK's retro form. Um, but you also had another thing to talk about that Ram OK, Ram OK is up to, which was fun. Yeah. He, so because of your uh, segment last month about Pico 8, he... Uh, decided to make a segment in the his forum about pico 8 games so i love it yeah there's a whole little area there that's going to highlight good high quality pico 8 games and i which is a bad one of the criticisms of pico 8 is it's very hard to find good games you really have to go like the switch store yeah it's a lot like the switch store so ram okay ram okay in his forum which you got everyone should go visit ram okay ram okay.com slash forums they should go in there, check out the Pico 8 game repository or repository. He called it repository, but yeah. Is a repository a word? I don't, I don't know. know. Do you have to do it twice to, to make it a repository? I have no idea. I would like to pause it more than once. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he I, I had said in my video slash uh, podcast Cody's Corner segment that I wish there was a way, because I know someone had done it at one point. They made a website and they were taking like all the good games. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, maybe they put ratings up there or whatever. You can do all kinds of fun stuff. But even if there was just a list of, hey, these games are worth playing. Yeah. Simple simple as that. Um, you know, they're not some weird uh, someone's first time coding, which is cool that people do that. But it stays out there along with all the good games. So It really does. So uh, make a nice little list of where, where the good stuff is. And he already took all the games that I had on there that, I, that he had not put on the list yet. Yeah. And a few other people put suggestions on there and he's <laughs> added them and... Uh, I want to start digging into those, especially the ones that I probably missed for the first couple of years before I really got into it. And this would be a good time to mention about our Discord channel because, um, and 
I can't remember who did this. Uh, was it HSI? He, he posted like the Pico 8 collection that you could download yeah. in our Discord that you could put on your device and, and you would instantly have all these games locally on your Pico 8 device. His own personal collection. He's like, I already kind of got it. He already cur- curated he, them and like has them all in a nice little area and he posted them on our Discord. Yeah. Yeah. I need to go back and get that now that I'm back. I said I was going to do that back after I got back from Hawaii here. So Yeah. So, uh, anyway, that's one benefit of being on our Discord server. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, we send you a link and you can join right up. Um, I wanted to mention a couple of things. E3 happened while we, while we have been away. Right. This is like the fifth year in a row that I've been 100% disinterested. Really? <laughs> I don't watch E3. I, I, never, I never watch it, but I like to hear what's happening. Sure. There's, and there's some good things. So there's one, a lot of good things. Yeah. One thing I got excited about is Mario Rabbids mm-hmm. is having a sequel called Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Cool. I love that game. Yeah, it's a fantastic game. <laughs> I played all the way through that, and I will play all the way through this one. Um, the other thing that was uh, mentioned as well, which isn't as big of a surprise or anything, but the Mario Golf game is now released. It, it, yeah, it wasn't quite released. Is it released now? Because last time I read about it, I, I, that's a game I'm very interested in. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe by the time this is released, I don't know, we'll see. But yeah, okay. it's, it's it's been on Switch coming up for a while now. Okay. Uh, very excited about the golf game. Again, I'm probably not going to spend 60 bucks on it, but if I can... Uh, get some kind of a deal on it. I know these Mario Rabbit games is an Ubisoft game, so those go on sale quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, excited about that. And then did you hear about this big piece of news? <laughs> I didn't, but I, I like where it's going. Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, Plus. Wow. arrives later this month on the Switch. Wow. You know, if you... <laughs> if you guys haven't listened to the show before and you go look this up, you're going to think that we're just weird... Bizarre, inappropriate, <laughs> right? Old men talking about video games, and you'll see that it's a bunch of young schoolgirls with a bunch of pink and blue and Japanese, and it looks really wrong. But uh, it is a great game. I won't give too much away. You have to try it. This new version um, has six new side stories about friendships and literature. So the thing they're not telling you, it's a uh, psychological horror game. <laughs> that's right. They leave that out. They leave that out because you're supposed to find that's all I'm going to say, but play it. <laughs> it's disturbing and hilariously dark and fun. Uh, 100 plus lockable images, blah, blah, blah. Um, I get anyways, a bunch of new stuff. And we can even buy the uh, physical version that comes with like stand-up game pieces of Yuri and uh, Nasuke and... Yeah, you, Anyways. you get a Literature Club member card. And a sticker sheet. Man. You're going to have to get... Ooh, and you get a, um, a soundtrack download card, which comes in the shape of a three and a half inch floppy disk. That is really cool. <laughs> Actually, the the, the uh, cover, the because it's a physical game, but it's uh, the cover looks pretty cool. That might be neat to sit on the shelf. I'm sure that it'll be down. If you guys want to play this game without the plus for free... For just free. hop on Steam, go download for free. It's, it's, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome free, and uh, there was many, many shows back. We we covered it in depth. We talked about it for quite a while. It's a yeah. game that really sticks with you. It sticks with you, and you'll never forget the name Yuri, as long as you live. Um, again, I'm doing most of the talking, but let me get one more here. So Indie Retro News put this up, and I thought we had to talk about this, because, first of all, um, a lot of Atari 2600 games come out. They're hard to get a hold of because they charge for them usually. Um, and good mounts, like physical only. 
Right. I'd love to buy digital copies. So if you make 2600 games and you're listening, please let me buy a digital copy for, you know, five to 10 bucks. I would love to do so. Yeah. Uh, but this game looks super cool. It's called Turbo Arcade. Turbo Arcade. Um, and what's cool about it, if you look at it, is somehow that it's actually like scrolling into the screen over the top of the car isometric. I don't know what you call it, but it looks like OutRun on the 2600. Yeah. It's impressive. It's very impressive for a 2600 game. Uh, the scrolling is actually pretty smooth. Um, and it actually changes. Like, there's mountains. Now you're up against this wall with the seaside. Uh, it's going to turn to night here. In a sec- like, it actually goes between different backgrounds. Um, it's I'm, I don't know how they made this happen. It's <laughs> really impressive. They're in a tunnel now. It's cool. And this one is not out yet. This is a, a little demo, right? This is a demo, which is available. So that's probably free if you want to download it and throw it on your, your cart, which I might do. Oh, man. There's like a snow level and a night driver level. Like they were in a tunnel. Look like night driver, kind of. So I usually don't like to talk about up-and-coming games, but that one's kind of flashy enough for me to want to mention it. Yeah. So my next one is another Pico 8 news item. Oh, I love uh, the Pico 8. So someone is developing, and this one definitely isn't out yet, but it is a uh, looks like a very, very promising demo. Oh, wow. It, yeah, take a look at that. It is R-Type, uh, which, again, you can play on anything you want, but this is almost like a D-Make it's like our type on the Pico 8, but look how great it looks. That's really cool. <laughs> I mean, this looks beautiful. Weapons, all the add-ons. Um, it, 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 is, it is amazing. And when I, for, when I saw this, I had to add it to the news item. Again, we don't really cover a lot of demos, but I had to add this because I'm hoping that this guy, uh, the current build has two levels right now. Three are planned in the full release. So this isn't too far away from being released. And as you, as everybody knows, if you've listened to us talk about Pico 8, they very rarely does anyone charge money for Pico 8 games. So this will be free. Yeah, well, and this is a licensed title, so they can't charge unless they want lawyers coming after them. That's true. That's true. Uh, it's in, <laughs> development, in development by a creator named The Robos who also made Masters of the Universe, the fighting game. Huh. I haven't played that one I haven't played it. I've seen it. Okay. But it's a fighting game, so I didn't play it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is an interesting one. Yeah, this is very weird. We're going to be talking about this on the show. Do you do much about UFC? (laughs) I don't don't really like... I don't want to say I don't like UFC, because I haven't watched much of it, but I I do think the hype around it is a little uh, overblown. I, I... it, it doesn't. It, let's just say it doesn't interest me. Okay. UFC fighting doesn't interest me. So I, it does interest me. I don't follow it closely. It's just too darn expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's brutal, and some people don't like that, and it's violent, and whatever. I get it. I get up caught up in it when I watch one. It's really fun. However, uh, what does that have to do with video games, Eric? Well, uh, YouTube personality Logan Paul yes had a fight with Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about fighting that this is actually a boxing match first of all right uh floyd mayweather never picks a fight he can't win mm-hmm. so of course he won again actually i think this was a uh, no contest they said it's for exhibition only yeah they didn't declare a winner but i can guarantee you he would have won yeah um anyways logan paul fights floyd mayweather with the help of atari did you see his shorts? I did see the shorts, yeah. yeah. Big old Atari logo on the shorts. I saw that. So what do you think Atari was advertising there, Eric? Was it there some cryptocurrency it or was something? was Atari crypto blockchain. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, goodness. 
Uh, Atari Token, I guess it's called. So here's their website. Feel free to check it out in our link. I would suggest you don't buy any, but I don't know. Um, yeah, Atari Token, so much more than video games. So these guys have taken the Atari name and run it through all kinds of things, including a casino, a hotel, and now cryptocurrency. It is the saddest thing in the world. Atari has fallen so far Like, now. what on earth? <clears throat> now, they did release a console, which they, I have to give them credit for, the for VCS, yeah. doing it, yeah. making it happen, actually releasing it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's worth a darn, but they did it. It looks cool. I will say, like, I've seen the menus in it, and, and uh, the... And the console itself and the controllers are look nice. I mean, they 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 do look nice, yeah. but when you see the games, it's like, okay, why is this thing? Whatever, I don't know how much it is. Was three fifty? Was it three fifty? Three forty nine. I thought it was two ninety nine. I was like, there's no way I'd pay that. I'd get a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, you could just get a Raspberry Pi, play any of those games on it. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. I, it's sad. It, it's the long fall of Atari, and it's still falling. <laughs> Down an endless But hey, pit. it was on the shorts of Logan Paul, right? There you go. So, a model citizen, Logan Paul. I, I know nothing about who this character Woof. is. Woof. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, this brings us to this, finally. Um, do you know this game? Raising on X? Not specifically. I've heard of it. It's a horizontal shooting game that was made for the Neo Geo, but I've never played it before. I think it was, I think it was made recently okay. for the Neo Geo. And maybe that's why I've never played it before. But is it by NG Dev? There's a company called NG... Yep, it is. Okay. So these guys have been making new games, and their games typically have come out on the Neo Geo and then soon after the Dreamcast. Wow. Because they're similar... Somehow they're similar architecture. Okay. Kind of like the Neo Geo Pocket and Dreamcast were a, yeah. a pair as yeah. well. I, I didn't know that, so that's actually interesting news. But I have never seen this game, but it is coming out soon on Switch, unless it's already out. I don't remember. But this game, I saw some video on that. You can go to movies and click on that. But, I mean, it looks really, really good. It looks like a fantastic game. It's coming out on on Switch soon. And, uh, man, I hope this does come out on Dreamcast. Wouldn't that be amazing? So, if they, for example, if, if you like this game, if you go on um, PlayAsia, yeah. these guys also came out with games, which are also on the Switch Okay, um, now. Call it, like, uh, Fast Striker is one. Okay. Um, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. In fact, let me just do this real quick while we're live to tape here. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go to the Google. So, I'm going to type in NG Dev. But yeah, they they make shmups. That's what they make. Here you go. Neo XYX is one of their games. Last Hope, Fact Striker. Uh, they also made Gunlord, which we've talked about on the show. Oh, we have talked about that one. Um, and you can see here's there's Razy on X. So it's coming. S is it coming soon? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you can see a lot of their physical ones have sold out, but you can buy them digitally. Okay. Um, however, let me go ahead and go here. Oop, I missed. Because what's cool is like like I was saying, they make physical Neo Geo games. Um, which they're like, you know, 600 bucks each, something like that. But they're cartridges that slap into a Neo Geo system. So yeah, for example, here's, um, Gunlord right here for the Switch. And then right above that, this game looks so cool. They made a Metal Slug clone. Oh, wow. Called Kraut Kraut Buster. Buster. <laughs> and you can see this is the physical AES cartridge right here. Oh, wow. I wonder if you face, uh, the Hitler. Mecha there. Hitler. Mecha Hitler. <laughs> Although it, it can't be a straight, it can't be a straight ripoff. So it's going to be like Cyber Stalin. <laughs> Cyber Stalin. Exactly. <laughs> um, and here you go. There's their Switch release. So yeah, these guys make some really cool stuff. 
Okay, so this Very is cool. good news. So I didn't even you filled in all the questions I had nicely. So yeah, Fast Striker looks a lot like this, but vertical. Okay, whereas this is horizontal. Yeah. Uh, art style and everything is very similar. Some of those other games are, are, are a bit different, but yeah. If this comes out digitally for a reasonable price on the Switch, I'm going to grab it. It looks really, really good. Well, I suggest you check Fast Striker. I think that one's already out on there. In fact, I think it's on sale right now. I almost picked it up. Oh, okay. I'm going to do that. I'm going to write that down right now. This next one is from our boy Tim, uh, who wanted to let everyone know that the Mini Pet 4080 kit from the Future Was 8 Bit is finally here. Uh, brand spanking new pet computer technical technical design by Dave Curran of Tynemouth. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be really bad at any of this. Tynemouth software yeah. uh, and everything else made by the Future Was 8-Bit. Shipping very, very soon. Pre-orders for the first batch are almost sold out. You get to build yourself uh, your own kit with new designed keyboard. However, this does not include the green jelly. He, that's a dig at me. I, every yeah. time I try to order something from the Future Was 8-Bit... Yeah. Uh, I know Rod over there always takes pictures of this, like, green jelly stuff from England. Right. And I want to try it so bad, and I always ask, and I never get it. <laughs> and I can't complain. He's throwing other little things in there, but I want that darn green jelly. So so the Future Was 8-Bit released the Mini Pet motherboard a while ago. So it's that little motherboard. You can yep. just hook it up to all your doodads and monitors or whatever and, and get it up and running. But this looks so cool. I mean, mm-hmm. take a look at that. And I think altogether the price is better, or sim- at least similar. It's a, it's per- now this is one reason why I can't run out and just buy this is it's two hundred and ninety nine ninety nine pounds. Yeah, that's a lot of money, but it looks so cool. And I already have the SD two pet. Yeah, so you this- already have a pet. And yeah, the SD2 Pet is the SD solution to work yes. with the Commodore Pet. Yep, so I have the Pet 2001, but the beautiful thing about this is that it will simulate multiple pets. So you can do the 40-column pet, which my, I have a 40-column pet. Okay. But this one will do an 80 column, the 80-column pets. Um, basically, you can run just about any version of any pet, but the, it, the coolest thing is this is a computer, almost like what you would get with the Ultimate 64 or... Uh, the ZX Spectrum Next, like it is a, it is a computer with a full keyboard, but it is a pet. The keyboard looks super cool. It almost reminds me of like those early terminals with like the, mm-hmm. the either beige, blue, or red buttons. Yeah. So what it does is it looks like the early pets, like the pets had the calculator keys. Okay. You know they they literally had like those glass, or not glass, but clear plastic keys with the little pieces of paper under them to show what the keys are are, are actually yeah, yeah, yeah. okay um it, it this thing it, check out the link in the show notes this thing looks beautiful and you can plug all real de- pet devices into the back via those edge connectors now it doesn't have a built-in screen like most pets it doesn't but it has hdmi so I mean, yeah can, or, and it's cool or, or, it's not hdmi is it it might be vga i don't remember yeah it looks like vga yeah monitor yep there it is so um Man, I would love, love to have one of these, but I can't afford that. That's a pretty penny. But yeah, it, it, I'm in the same. I'm in the same boat. And you already have a pet. I don't. Right. Um, but the pet is a pretty niche machine. Yes. Um, also, what's cool about this though is the top piece of acrylic mm-hmm. is clear with some writing on it. Yeah. So it labels things, but underneath you can see all the, yep. the actual uh, chips and everything are lined up all pretty. Yep. It's beautiful. And, le- <laughs> it's, and let me, it's cool. And let me say this about about. I'm not saying it's not worth the money at all. I'm just saying I can't buy it right now, but 
I think it's totally no, worth you. the money. If you're if you're a collector of these kind of little computers and modern systems, yeah, no, I I absolutely want one. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I absolutely want one. Yeah, um, that's just not in the cards for me right now because I know there's a lot of other things I would personally use a little bit more. Yeah, uh, for the price, but it is cool just to have that on the wall and know it works. Uh, also, you get a uh, ten dollar or ten pound discount on the SD two pet when you buy this if you don't already have it. Yeah, yeah. And so. I have like the funny thing for my pet is I have peripherals for it. I have the SD two pet. I have a modem that can plug into the back. Somebody made me a, um, a Wi Fi modem that plugs right into the back, oh, nice. so I can connect to BBSs and stuff. It's a really neat little system, but uh, man, I wish that thing was. Uh, you know, even I think even if it was one hundred and fifty pounds cheaper than that, I think. I would try to grab oh, that. Oh, I'd grab on a heartbeat. Yeah. If it came with green jelly, I'd probably grab one. Yeah, in a exactly. Heartbeat. A case of green jelly. <laughs> uh, this one came in from Ram OK, Ram OK. Okay. We've been talking a lot about this show. Yeah. Mm, this um, smoky beer tastes just as good coming back up, Eric. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been really enjoying this one. If we can go back to it for a second. It, it really does have a great flavor, though. It's good. I'm loving it. It's anyway. good. All right. Uh, this is cool, and I had to mention it because you don't see a whole lot of this, but three games were released um, for the Fairchild Channel F. Whoa! <laughs> wow! I, I, I have a search for these on eBay, because I, I, if one ever came up at a reasonable price, I, I'd make a go for it. Yeah. But uh, they never do. They yeah. always start pretty reasonably, and I'm like, yeah, this is my turn! Yeah. And it never turns out, though. So I mean, I'm stoked that I have mine. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's not realistically usable i was able to get i mean it works i i was able to get a signal out of it but it's so bad it's hard to so i think i like the fact that it looks good Mm -hmm. i know it in the heart of it is working (laughs) yeah and realistically i'm not going to play a ton of it okay so for me i think i'm happy with owning the showpiece yeah and i have a a game in the box up there little piece of history but um not to mention i don't know if what i mean there probably is some sort of sd card solution out there for this thing I don't know. I've never heard of one, but I'm sure somebody's done it. But three new games were released by, um, uh, I, I guess you want to call it a software company. It's probably one one person, but called Arlasoft. And they created a game 2048, which is, you know, every system's got a, cop, a version of 2048 now where you mm-hmm. slide the blocks around and um, the numbers, you know, become square numbers, bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, a take on that called Three Rees. Okay. Apparently is a, a, a spin-off of twenty forty eight. Okay. And then uh this one looks legit. Yeah, it's centipede. centipede. Wow. That looks like and it looks like a very good version. Uh, I oh, can't log in. He's making you log in. Come you on, Ram okay, Ram okay. I have an account. You can let me in. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean there it is in all like the all four beautiful Fairchild Channel F colors. That's cool. That actually I'm I'm not that centipede version looks pretty legit. I mean, I, I think that would be a lot of fun to play. Yeah, absolutely. Very neat. Um, oh, and then I wanted to talk about another 2600 game, because this one's actually out, Eric. This is unbelievable. If, we, if... we talked about this in the past. Okay. I'm totally going to go great. And it's Shadow of the Beast. Okay. So the Shadow of the Beast game is out, and it's got to be free, because it's a licensed game, and they don't want to get uh, they don't want to get in trouble, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I'm, la- I'm laughing because I'm looking at that picture. Here it is. Download from itch.io. Uh, I should download live right now. Here it is. I can click download. So This reminds me of that uh, the Halo demake for, yeah. that they made for the 2600. Yeah. This one reminds me of that because it is kind of silly. I mean, it's like a stick guy running, 
which it probably plays exactly like Shadow of the Beast. Because I, I hope not, because that's a terrible game. I it, hope it plays better. I hope it plays better. You can't go much worse than Shadow of the Beast. <laughs> Shadow of the Beast was a great demo. Like The graphics were really pretty on the Amiga. But man, Shadow of the Beast on the Amiga, it, it just, there was no game there. So Yeah, it's pretty hokey. Um, what I love about this is that apparently they did change the name when they released it. So it's Soul of the Beast. Is <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, inspired by an Amiga classic. Well, I played it first on the Genesis, but okay. 15 unique enemy types and variants, four massive areas to explore, and non-linear game design, which is a fun way of saying there's one big level that you have to go back and forth a million times. <laughs> That's right. And punch 100 enemies in the ro- in a row with no challenge and um it's not great, but I I'm going to have to give this a shot. It's so it's yeah. so hokey. Yeah. Um you got the ne- oh no Tim's got the next Eric you can be Tim yeah because I can talk about this because we Tim and I took this adventure together oh good because I know nothing about this stuff so so uh, and I'm going to read this from what Tim wrote Amiga OS 3.2 is now shipping via various software hardware vendors some selling just the CDs but most selling ROMs and pre-built CF cards advisable to anyone thinking of getting into it do it soon just in case any legal issues hold it hold it up. Um, th- there is a legal issue. Hyperion is re- has released this, and they did have a licensing a- agreement with Cloanto, who has I always the hear Amiga. this stuff, yeah. And uh, they did have a licensing agreement. I don't know what went wrong, but Cloanto did a cease and desist with them. Gosh. And but everyone is still selling this, as far as I can tell. I ordered my copy from um, a company up in Canada, and it shipped. It should be here tomorrow or the next day. Um, but I, I've already taken, I've already installed OS 3.2 on my mister because I, I can't install it without the ROMs. I can't do it on my real Amigas yet. Yeah. Yeah. But I installed it on my mister and it went very smooth. Okay. No issues at all. And it is smooth and silky. It is a great, it adds a lot of very modern stuff into 3.2 so that it's more usable, actually. What I, what I, the way I see it is, it's a little more usable to the layman on on Amiga. Okay, like because me. it adds a lot. Of, well, <laughs> it adds a lot of really cool features. Like you, there's finally a search for the whole hard drive. So if you're looking for something, you can just type, "Hey, I'm looking for uh, Centipede" or whatever, and it's going to pull up every file with the oh, okay. name Centipede in it. That wasn't in there before. That was in a command line. You could do it, but it was a very arcane command I was going to say, I feel like all the features you're about to list that are new <laughs> are things I probably already assumed were there because my mind just doesn't know right. <laughs> the limitations. <laughs> it, it, it makes it easier to use. Like the scroll wheel on modern mice works now, so you can okay. scroll through okay. things. Um, just Built, it, Built-in ADF support? Yeah, so you can put in an ADF file, like if you actually, if you just drop an ADF file on your hard drive, you can just double click it and it will open that file. That's like the biggest thing for me. It's constantly trying to figure out how to hop, open Dopus and then extract and then delete the other file. Yeah, there's software that's always done that on the Amiga, but this is built, baked into the operating system now. There's an integrated help system, so you don't have to go digging around for real manuals. It's right in there, built into the OS. Oh, I've got the the big old Bible behind you over there. Yep, there's a physical one. There's data types like that open up like modern graphical images now, like JPEGs and MP3s and stuff like that. Uh, You can just open from within there. Um, It's got to be what, ham? Is it called ham? Ham? What's the, what's the image file, the, the, the really high-resolution one that uh, Doug always talks about? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I thought it was ham. Um, basically, just a lot of very, like, uh, 
ease of use improvements into their operating system. They really did put a lot in here, didn't they? There's a ton of stuff. Stuff I haven't even gotten into yet. I just haven't had time. Yeah, I think it looks really nice. Um, Really cool upgrade. So I'm really looking forward to putting this in my real Amiga. And so far, so on my Mister, I started from scratch with a blank drive image. Oh, bigger drive images. That's a big one because they were always limited in size. Like I have a four gigabyte CF card. You can get, I, I bought a 32 gig for my real Amiga that I'm just going to install 3.2. So now I, I am never going to run out of disk space. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's just convenient stuff. So, I mean, it's it, a lot of boing balls. It's a lot of boing balls. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. I know Tim is eagerly awaiting his copy if he hasn't gotten it already. Uh, so l- looking forward to that. Gotcha. Uh, I'm going to hop into indie retro news. And so this this line item, I'm calling a news item, is really just more of a uh, an an item of me saying, "Hey, notice this." Uh, so last was it last month or two months ago? I ate crow when I talked about no new Amiga games coming out because everything was always a uh, coming soon or on <coughs> right. its way. Here's an update, right? You're right. You're yeah, right. And then at one month, like four games came out. It's beautiful. And now it's all gone back to a whole bunch of, "Hey, eventually, sometime, like this game is going to come out." Yeah. But what I've noticed, and I want to make uh, apparent now everything that's coming out for the amiga first of all has looked a lot better mm-hmm. in the in the screenshots and is being developed using the scorpion engine Have yeah, you heard, you've I, heard of this i've never heard of the scorpion engine i think it's a, a brand new uh development tool um but uh, like for example i'm just going to go here right i'm on indie retro news i'm going to click on amiga which kind of limits everything that pops up to amiga stuff and look at this. This game looks amazing. It's a new Castlevania-type game called Maria's Maria Renard's Revenge, developed using the Scorpion engine. Okay. And I'm going to scroll down to the next one. Uh, that's an old game that's been released. Um, here we go. Primal Blade, a new Scorpion engine hack-and-slash Amiga game, is still in the works, Eric. <laughs> wow. So that's news. <clears throat> yeah. Um, let's scroll down a little bit here. Uh, there's another score. That's... A new Scorpion Engine hack-and-slash Amiga game is in the works. There we go. Let's keep on going and see what else we can find here with the Scorpion Engine in, in the thing. Like, it just seems like everything that's coming out on the Amiga... Yeah. Uh, here we go. Scorpion Engine for Amiga. Gets a parallax update. Wow. So anyways... I'm, I'm for that. I mean, if, if they make cool games using that engine, then I'm all for it. Yeah. Here's one called Krogar, the guy who made Invia. I haven't, seen, I haven't played that one yet. That Invia, that's the... Um, like our type site kind of style shmup. Hmm. I want to get. I need to get that. Anyways, if you just scroll through here and start start looking at stuff, you'll see Scorpion pop up constantly. Has there been? This is going to be a silly question. Have there been any finished games using the Scorpion engine? I'm sure there has. <laughs> um, well, all the ones we just saw were like, "Hey, coming soon." Well, working it. on. Like, everyone's apparently using that. Okay. Um, Anyways, have you? Oh, did you? I, I I think I read about this on the Amigos. Exhumed Power Slave, Egyptian making its way to the Amiga. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that was such a great game when we covered we, it. We I, covered I, it on the Saturn, yeah, and I loved. Uh, it was a great game. I loved playing that, and it it's on the PS2 as well, right? There's a version. It was uh, set, we played the Saturn PlayStation, version. not, not two. Gotcha, the original PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, the Saturn competitor and DOS. It's on DOS. Yeah, or probably DOS at that point. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, cool. something to look forward to, new Amiga games. Yep, Scorpion Engine. <laughs> um, quick one, because we always like to talk about the newest uh, from 
uh, our, our boys over there making arcade games. Arcade, <laughs> one, arcade up. one Up. There you go. They're making kind of like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cab. They're making The Simpsons. Oh, nice. Which I grew up playing The Simpsons, too. Like I didn't grow up, but I, I have played them. I mean, it's the same engine, pretty much. It is the same engine as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. Um, you know, Marge, for some reason, has a vacuum cleaner, is attacking people, and Lisa's using a jump rope, which you should have been using the sacks, but don't worry about that. Oh, the trackball. It's got a trackball right on it. Yeah, why is the trackball in there? I wonder other games come in. It, so, so, most of the time, those Arcade 1-Up games have um, multiple games on it. Is this from Arcade 1-Up? Yeah, it is. So, it must have, like, three or four games, like most of them do. So, I wonder if one of them has a trackball game. Why would it have a trackball? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Does it, it doesn't say what other games are on that. Not right, on though. that particular article, no. Okay. We'll have to delve into that. We're going to, in a future episode, in we a will future episode of that. Pixel Gaiden. So this is blowing my mind up. Remember, it's news to us, Eric. It doesn't have to actually be news. That's right. <laughs> this one is a blowing my mind up. Well, Have you uh, heard yeah. about this? Uh, only from you and, and Tim. And um, <laughs> so I don't actually, you're going to tell me more about it. However, I will say, remember when the, the, we always talk about it. You've always wanted the Sega Astrocade. Yeah, I did. Always a, a real it. one. I wanted a real one. Yeah. And I've always wanted a real egret. Oh, I didn't even know you knew what an egret was. Oh, I, if you go back and listen to all episodes, you always talk about the Astro Arcade. I always talk about the egret. Okay, man. Maybe I just totally glossed over that, but this looks freaking so cool. All right, tell us what it is. Here. So go ahead. So it is the Taito is coming out with an egret two mini, um, little mini arcade cabinet. But the because, coolest because the Sega Sega came out with their Astro Mini, yeah, Sega it, City, what do you call it, Astro City Mini? Yep. And for those who don't know, these were the two biggest selling um, candy arcade, cabs. Arcade, they called them candy cabs, but they're arcade cabs in Japan, yep. where people typically sat down to play arcade games rather than stand up, like in America. Yeah, uh, they always had Sanwa parts in them, mm-hmm. and the game would swap out, but the, the cab itself would always look the same. Yeah. The cab would always look the same. So this is a mini. It has a joystick. It has six buttons and various other buttons for, you know, selecting a game and a single player or whatever. But the 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 interesting thing about this is it it does mimic the. Oh. <laughs> it does. Mim- I saw something. Yeah, it does mimic the actual because I guess the real Egret has this capability. The arcade owner could rotate the screen so that when they play like shoot 'em ups, they could flip the screen. They could vertical. just flip the screen vertical so that people could play them, and then they could flip them back to go back to platformers or whatever. So this one has a screen where you push it in and it pops so out, cool. and you can rotate it so it could be either <laughs> landscape or ta- tate mode. Um, oh, I love it! Fr- freaking amazing! And <clears throat> so. I gotta tell you, this is this that is the coolest feature. But bo- scroll but down. That that is the second coolest feature. The game pad that you can buy for this there is there's two different game pads. There's an arcade stick that is a separate game pad. So, so built into this one, you have six pink buttons. <clears throat> yep, and a and a, a joystick in the physical cabinet, and then there's three small buttons. I'm sure for like gooey, single player and gooey stuff, coin yeah. whatever. But you can get two different controllers that are external controllers that plug in USB-C. But this one is so cool. In fact, there's three different ones. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm looking at them. Okay. But the first one is the coolest. It has built into the controller, it has a trackball and a spinner. Spinner, So the spinner can play Arkanoid because Taito, Arkanoid is one of Taito's big 
big, yeah, yeah. big uh, titles. And there's several um, Arkanoid uh, games on here. Um, but then they also have a regular D-pad, in case you want to play two-player games. It's a D-pad with six buttons. But then they also have an arc- mini arcade stick that has a joystick with six buttons on it. Um, I think that that in combination with the that that controller with the trackball and the I've never seen a handheld controller that has a trackball and a spinner built into it. That's a first. That's cool. And then with the rotatable screen in that, that is so awesome. Real quick, let me run through the forty games: Space Invaders, Lunar Rescue, Kicks, Elevator Action, Crack and Pop, Bubble Bobble, uh, Rastan Saga. Yep. Rainbow Islands Extra, New Zealand Story, Don Doku Don, great game. Violence Fight, which is a great title. <laughs> yeah. Let's go play some Violence Fight. Uh, Kadash, Liquid Kids, Metal Black, which is a shmup, Kaiser Knuckle, and then the uh, Paddle. They, they don't list all 40 yet. They're going to reveal them as they come. So. Although it says the Paddle <clears throat> Trackball yeah. games so far confirmed. Yep. Uh, include Strike Bowling, which would be great, Arkanoid, Plump Pop, <laughs> mm. Sylvalion. Camel yeah. Tree, which sounds <laughs> yeah, very be. rude. Yeah. And Arkanoid Returns. Um, and then, yeah, it gives them a bunch of specs and stuff like that. But the cab costs about 170 bucks. The expansion controller, <laughs> ooh, 110 It's almost as much as the whole cabinet is that little trackball spinner. So you're going to be yeah. paying for that. Now, there is a bundle. There's also a $450 bundle that includes everything. Uh, plus some extras like soundtrack CDs and everything. But it includes the arcade stick and the gamepad. Oh um, man. So <clears throat> it's it's not cheap. This isn't going to be a cheap thing, but you got to admit that is pretty sweet. This that is a very cool thing. Yeah, but do my, does my 450 bucks go and buy me a a uh a pet from the future was 8-bit? Right. Or does it buy me this Taito cab? It, it says it won't ship until March 2nd, 2022. Yeah. And most likely those things are always pushed back anyways. Cool. That is cool. Have you seen the Astro City come out to anybody yet? I haven't. I've seen reviews online and everything, but I haven't seen the real deal yet. Um, if I could find one at a reasonable price, I'd love to get one. The funny thing is I went on Amazon. They're, they're not selling it. So I don't know. I know there's a... No, I think it's mostly you have to buy them from Japan and bring them over. Even then, because they came out with a NTSC version. I don't know. But I don't I don't see it for sale anywhere. I'm going to have to look that up. Um, <clears throat> hopefully you haven't heard about this one yet. Oop. Apparently my link is bad, Eric. What? 404 not found. Well, let me do it this way, because this worked last time. Um, you have to do it the old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned way, and actually browse through a bunch of stuff. Oh, man. Eh, this isn't working for me. This isn't working for me, Eric. Well, long story short, um, let me just try to read the uh, the link here. Um, Modern battery solution for the original Game Boy. Exactly. So this company called Clean Juice. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Clean Juice. No, let's look that up. I'm afraid what's going to come up. I know, right? <laughs> or, organic Juice Bar. Well, that's not the ones I'm talking about. Don't look up Dirty Juice. Boom, here we go. Look I guarantee at you'll regret it. Check out those amazing Clean Juice Game Boy mod. So long story short, this little uh Yeah, it's like a little board circuit here, board. And it comes with a little uh, battery pack on the back that you pop into your, exist, your original Game Boy, the gray big old Game Boy. Yeah. And it comes with a little USB port in the back, and now you have a rechargeable lithium battery in the back rather than so, having to change out batteries all the time in so your Game Boy. is the battery built into that circuit board, like stuck to the back of it or something? I believe uh, I believe so, yes. It looks kind of thick there. 
Yeah, you can see it stuck on the back here. Oh, with okay. 3M tape. Dude, that is that is really cool. It's supposed to give you over 24 hours of use, and of course, you just plug it into a standard USB C charger. It looks like there's two versions. It says almost 30 hours if you opt for the XL version. Boom. That is really really cool. And it has a little light to tell you if it's charging. Now that's showing a original Game Boy. I wonder if it'll work in like my. Uh... This this specifically just says this the original Game Boy. Okay, so not the slim. The DMG-001. Okay. All right. Maybe others are coming. Maybe others are coming. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I've got an original. No big deal. Just saying. Mine's Mm -hmm. Pokemon. Mine's Pokemon version. You got a Pokemon version? Yep. Uh, Tim, what do you have to say about uh, our boy Doug, the 10-minute Amigo Retrocast? I'm going to... Whoa, clink. My beer there. Oh. I'm going to have to get more beer soonish. Yep. Doug, 10 mark. Well, Doug from... Uh, 10 minute amigo ah, retrocast smoky delicious doug yeah. <laughs> <laughs> has announced the 2021 amiga art competition deadline 21st of october so plenty of time if you want to get in on this action more details coming soon so keep an eye out on doug's awesome youtube channel and doug is an awesome guy and i i i did enjoy looking through all the entries last year um i am not an art guy i'm not a graphic arts guy so I could not enter this contest because it would be a, it would be a mockery. It would be a joke. <laughs> um, but I do enjoy seeing the stuff that comes out of it, and some of it is pretty amazing. And one one thing that's cool about it is they started getting. I think they they made the art contest assuming it would be like pixel drawn art, right? And people started submitting other art pieces, and they yeah. realized, hey, why not? Yeah. Um, so I think everything from music to demos to photography that's been converted to Amiga to as long as you are honest about what you did. Mm-hmm. It's art. You can submit it to the contest, and they do a big uh, YouTube and a live stream. I think Twitch live stream, and they are judges and they pick winners. And That's I've been wanting cool. to get into uh, learning how to do mod, mod building mods like using Modifies, mod tracker. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of great trackers on the Amiga. Exactly. Um, so maybe maybe someday in the future I'll try to make a, a music file. Later. Maybe we just find a way to connect our microphones to an Amiga and record us doing that into the Amiga. We should do that. <laughs> Come on, bro. everybody! <laughs> nice. No? Nice. You buying it? We're gonna turn that in. See if Doug will just kick us out. <laughs> Uh, Niantic, the company that made Pokemon Go, yeah, the infamous uh, software program for your mobile phone that causes people to walk out into traffic, yeah, uh, is making a similar game. I'm assuming similar new real world AR game for Transformers called Transformers Heavy Metal. Ooh, where now you can do the same thing except um, walk yourself off a cliff while looking at Transformers. Excellent, and not re- and not paying attention to real life. So that's exciting. That is exciting. You know, uh, my daughter's playing Pokemon Go right now. I mean, not right now, but I mean, she's she's playing it. And, you know, th- those games kind of get a bad rap. They're a lot of fun. I mean, they are. It's a collectibles I, game. I tried to get into it yeah. a little bit, but I was really cautious because I do. I, well, I did outside sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that if I went down that rabbit hole, I could find myself like, getting distracted from work by going to like little poker stops and stopping at places and like it would just be all bad and that's what i was doing like i like on, <laughs> on my drive home i'd i'd wind through these neighborhoods and like because i knew all the places to stop it's gotta go 
grab myself a Charizard real quick. Yep, and I, I would I would literally park at this park where I knew there were three stops in it, and I'd walk around the park. I mean, I, it was cool because I was walking around and oh, stuff. Oh, okay, you actually walked. Well, some places, and then some I would just do drive-through, like McDonald's, Pokemon Go. Other places, you drive your car over the grass because you didn't feel like getting out. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Um, so it, it was fun for a while, but then one day I literally woke up and was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> and, uh, I, and I stopped cold turkey that day. Cold turkey. I, yeah. I was just like, oh, man. not doing it anymore. Most people have to take a patch to get rid of Pokemon <laughs> Go. I'm impressed. Um, what's this one here? Oh, I got another one. Oh, let's click on that one. Oh, this is cool. So Devolver, this is cool. This speaks my language, Eric. I like this. All right. All right. So Devolver Digital, who makes a whole bunch of indie games um, on different platforms, and a lot of them come to Switch, mm-hmm. they are releasing the first game, which is physical only. Oh, Imagine that, yeah. going back into time. Like, you don't get the game unless you physically buy the unless game. Unless you buy it, okay. I don't even know what it is, but I kind of want it because it's physical only. I wonder what kind of game it is. Let's watch it I here. I don't even know. It's called Demon Throttle. It looks pixelated. Looks kind of That looks 8-bit. It looks like NES. Bunch of cutscenes so far. That's right up my alley. Oh, look at this. No, oh, kidding. okay. So this... Oh, wow. It's like a little shoot, shoot 'em up but it's you're walking. Dude, this looks legitimately good. Yeah. All right. So this actually looks a lot like an updated version of um, Nightmare on the MSX. Oh, okay. Which I don't think you've played yet, but you need to play that game. It's great. And this... Uh, dude, I want this game. It is currently out. I have... Uh, Collector's edition, forty bucks. Standard, thirty. I think before this episode goes live, I might need to go buy this. Now the problem is, I'm going to be realistic here. Yeah, this will eventually be released digital. You think so? Oh, it's well, they're it. saying physical only. That should mean physical only. It should, but everything in in these, you know, PS exclusive used to mean something. Until a year later, it's like, well, it was PS, PS timed exclusive is what we meant to say. Back when it used to mean something, Back man. Back when people had ethics. <laughs> this game legit looks good, though. I'm about to get that. Demon okay. Throttle. I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna take a Demon look at that. Demon Throttle. Now, now, is that something you probably can only order online? I wonder if that's gonna be available in local stores. Um, it's pre-order, so I think it's uh, okay. I think it's Demon gonna be one of those models, throttle. even though I think it's straight from. Uh, Devol- De- De- Devolver Digital. I like the name of the company that makes it as Doinksoft. The actual software programmer, yeah, Doinksoft. <laughs> Doinksoft's new game, Demon Throttle. And the uh, distributor is Special Reserve. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. I just, I also uh, am annoyed by those companies because... Um, ooh, this is saying something. Doinksoft is best known for the 2D Metroidvania Gato Roboto, which I loved. Yeah, that was a pretty popular I game. That. I never played it. I enjoyed it. Hmm. Um, All right. So next, I want to talk about uh, something on the Mister, which I know you're not a big fan of the Mister. I, I am a fan. I am just not a partaker of the Mister because... I'm loving the Mister lately because there is hot and frothy development going on on it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so a new Wonder Swan core. And I remember when the when the guy that was making this was first talking about the Wonder Swan core, and he, he had this like kind of beta going that was just a black and white Wonder Swan, and... And it was kind of working, kind of not. And then I swear the next time I heard, he was like, it's done. And it's like everything Wonder Swan, color, black and white. This thing has Tate mode. I think, did you see awesome. me playing Judgment Silver Sword? Did you see that? I played some of it. Yeah. You, you, you played some of it, but did you see me playing it on the Mister? Because I no, posted no, some no, pics on Twitter. No. I just rotated my screen. 
Awesome. Play, playing Tate mode, so Judgment Social on the big screen, uh, save states. There's an actual rewind feature in, in built in now. So this thing has is like the Wonder Swan on steroids. So now you have that built into the Mister, and it. it, it Do they have a feature? Do they have a feature where it's really hard to see the screen? Built in? It, no, but I see. Uh, I fixed that. Oh uh, darn it! I got. Well, the, yeah, but you want the you want the real experience. You want the real experience. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, beautiful. So I mean, it is the Wonder Swan Core free. Just go get it, and it's wonderful. Hadouken! Awesome. That's gonna wrap up some news. That's the end of the news. Uh, what, what button should I press for this one? I guess just. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, oh joy! Anyways. <laughs> Uh, I think it is time to hear what Eric has to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eric This month on Eric's Take, I'm going to cover my time spent with Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. After dabbling with it on and off for a couple of years, I finally sat down and decided to try and beat it. When I started playing a couple of years ago, I used my real Super Nintendo, then my SNES Classic, and finally my Switch, which is the platform where I beat it. This isn't going to be a review. You can find a ton of reviews on YouTube or other podcasts. This is going to just be my thoughts on it after spending a couple of months with it. I finally managed to beat this using the version on the Switch using save states and the rewind feature. I played maybe a level or two a night. As my friend Boat said from the Amigos podcast, you should play games any way you like, as long as you're having fun. And that's what I did. What I didn't do, and I'm just as shocked as anyone, is that I didn't use any other help. I didn't use walkthroughs or guides or anything else. There were a couple of tricky spots that took a lot of trial and error, but I was able to get past every level and every boss by simple trial and error. I'll explain a bit more as I go along. First, I want to talk a bit about the overall game and then get into the mechanics that make it so unique. In this game, you play as Yoshi, a little dinosaur guy, and have baby Mario on your back. When you get hit by an enemy, baby Mario flies off in a bubble and bounces around the area for a bit. If you don't get him back in time, these birds come and grab him and you lose life and start back from the beginning of the level also baby mario will yell out with a very annoying crying sound effect you'll be trying hard to never get hit just to avoid the awful crying luckily the game gives you a lot of lives you'll find these around the levels when you shoot them extra men fly out in the shape of little stars which you collect which brings me to the shooting yoshi can swallow eggs he finds around the levels and shoot them as projectiles using a very clever aiming system this brings a very unique mechanic to this game that allows you to trigger things on levels to make doors doors appear, hit enemies, and many other things. There are also various types of eggs that do different things on impact. Nintendo really outdid themselves with the unique aspects of this game and the crazy things they thought up for this. Yoshi has a long tongue for collecting eggs as well as hitting enemies and knocking them back. Yoshi also has a butt stomp for doing various things around the levels. Basically, this was peak Nintendo coming up with 
these off the wall original ideas in this game. There's no game like this that I've ever played. In my opinion, level one through three on the overworld are more action platform than puzzler, while the later levels afterwards tend to have more challenging platforming and puzzles to find the way to the exit. One thing I didn't like too much was sometimes in the later levels, it would be really tough to figure out what I was supposed to do to move on from the level. You end up just shooting eggs or watermelon seeds around to find some secret switch to open a door or reveal something. Sometimes I would spend a lot of time just wandering around a level, trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. And this is where a guide would come in handy if if uh, you get stuck, but I was determined to do it without it without one. But you might choose to use one. At the end of every level, you see how many red and gold coins were found as well as the stars, which adds a very nice scoring based on the exploration. The completionists out there will love going back to find every coin and star. I didn't do that, choosing to push my way through the game to see the ending. The bosses along the way grow in difficulty, but they never really feel unfair. I was able to take my licks while learning their patterns and tricks and then finally beat them without ever having to consult a guide or walk through. This was really a refreshing change from most games where sometimes bosses just seem kind of impossible and you just keep trial and error. And sometimes I've gotten so frustrated I've just quit a game because I couldn't figure out how to beat a boss. Overall, if you haven't played this game or only dabbled with it, it is absolutely worth learning the mechanics of this one and giving it a real go. When I beat this one, I felt like I'd really accomplished something. I love games without time limits, and this one really lets you explore and even requires it if you are hunting for all the coins and stars. I love that in the game. That's it. Play this game if you haven't. Thanks for listening to Eric's Take, and I will see you next month. Hey guys, how about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right, it's Tea Time with Tim. Now for the Commodore 64 videotape training with Commodore's foremost authority, Jim Butterfield. Hello, I'm Jim Butterfield and I'd like to tell you about the Commodore 64. Uh, okay, uh, thanks Jim. I think I'll take it from here. This is my show. Welcome to Tea Time with Tim. Coming up on this month's episode, it's a quick and dirty buyer's guide for the Commodore 64. Now it's over to Jim, uh, sorry, Tim. If you are thinking about entering the awesome world of the Commodore 64, acquiring and collecting for it, here's a quick and dirty guide on how to go about this and what you will need for the basics and a little beyond. First off, the Commodore 64 itself. If you don't already know about it, the Commodore 64 was launched in August 1982, being the third in the line of home computing solutions from Commodore, namely in order, the PET, then the VIC-20, and closely followed by the legendary computer, that is, the C64. The look and feel of the first model of the C64 is very similar to that of its little brother, the VIC-20. The casing, keyboard and even the later models of the VIC-20 share the same power supply. However, it's not recommended to use the VIC-20 power supply on the C64 due to the lower voltage output. 
It will power the C64, but when you start plugging anything, that draws power from the system expansion ports. You may start to run into issues using a VIC-20 power supply. So that's just a friendly bit of advice to note just between me and you. While the look and feel of the Commodore 64 is similar to that of the VIC-20, the C64 stands slightly taller than the VIC, and also the most obvious thing is the colour. The VIC-20 is a nice striking white, and where the C64 early models, known as the bread bin or bread box, is the beige brown colour. Later on, in 1986, the cost reduced C64 was released with a new sleeker look and white colour to match the more traditional colours of the computers in the Commodore range. First off, we have of course the physical systems. Let's set aside the Commodore 64 and SX64. While these are fine systems, if you want to go real hardware on a sensible budget, you are looking at either the C64 Breadbin or the more common and robust C64C. The Breadbin, of course, is the classic C64 design and may be the most desirable of look for your first C64. However, you have to consider the fragile nature of these. Think that the design of the bread bin did not really vary from far from 1982 to 1986, with the launch of the C64C. Early examples of the C64 bread bin, or the so-called silver label, are sought after, and genuine articles can start around $250 or around $300 and go up from there. A box good condition silver label with early serial number can fetch north of $350 to £500. Also, you don't really want to be using one of these due to the cost and the early gold-bladed style VIC chips are hard to come by. They also have a 5-pin basic video output, not like the later revision with the Chroma Luma port, which is essentially S video output. A run-of-the-mill bread bin in working condition with a few games and a 1530 tape deck here in the UK would start out around about £60 these days. My personal preference is if you're not linked to the nostalgia behind the bread bin and you want a great functional and working 64, then the C64 is the best to go for. Sorry, the C64C is the best to go for. While they don't have the look of a bread bin, inside they are cost reduced down to the least amount of parts, but the reliability is better and importantly, they run cooler. It's rare that I pick up a C64C and it's not working. All of my non-working C64s are all breadbin mainboards. I have three 64Cs and they never miss a beat. You can pick these up slightly cheaper and around starting at about £40 if you're lucky. These were not so common in the NTSC region as by 1986 Commodore was looking at launching the Amiga and other higher end computers. The C64C was mostly sold through in PAL regions, and let's face it, from 1988 onwards, a big majority of C64 games were coming out in the PAL region, and NTSC had moved on. A word to the wise is never trust one of the power supplies that comes with the C64s. They can be full of issues, and it's recommended that you purchase one of the many modern PSU recreations or reconditioned power supplies. Overvoltage regulated supplies can kill poor SID chips, VICs and PLAs, and they are not easy to replace. Invest in a good PSU and you will be doing your C64 a massive service. So, if you're not looking at original hardware and have a bit of money to invest, you can go down the FPGA route. 
This is for someone who is mainly interested in not dealing with CRT screens, old broken hardware issues and the whole power supply being 30 years old issue. If that's the case, there are options like the amazing Ultimate 64 by Gideon's Logic. But to get something like this, you will need some prior knowledge, or at least know someone with it, and an old C64 case to put the board into. The great thing with the Ultimate 64 is you don't need anything else apart from the case and keyboard. It has everything simulated on the FBGA, including the Mighty SID chip, which outside of a working C64 are expensive to source. That being said, you do need to at least to agree to have access to a working C64 as the kernel ROM needs to be uploaded into the FPGA core to get it to work. The other awesome fact with the Ultimate C64 is that it comes with the Ultimate 1541.2 system built in. We'll go into that into a little more detail later. However, just know that it's a Swiss Army knife of the C64 world and allows you to load just about anything direct from a USB stick, along with so many more functions. There are other notable hardware solutions, like the C64 reloaded board from individual computers, but this needs a full set of custom chips to populate on the board. So, again, not really something for the beginner. There is also an option of the BMC, or the Bare Metal Computing 64. This is a solution that runs from a Raspberry Pi as a compute base. My esteemed colleague Eric has covered this on a previous episode. It's a great solution, not cheap, but again, it's another way to get yourself into some physical hardware, rather than just emulation through software, to run on a C- to run a C64. There are a few other options for modern recreations of the Commodore 64. Back in the mid-2000s, a genius of a lady called Jerry Ellsworth had designed a chip called the C1, a one-chip computer system that could run as the C64, based on the ASIC architecture. This was released in the form factor of a joystick, with the computer built into it, and called the C64DTV, or Direct-to-TV. First sold in the NTSC region in 2004, and then adapted for the power market in 2005. You can still find these on eBay, going anywhere between 15 to 40 pounds. It connects via a composite cable to a suitable TV, a novelty at best for the starter collector. More recently, the people over at Retro Games Limited brought us the C64 Mini. Similar to the concept of the C64 DTV, it plugs into a TV but this time it has full HDMI and USB port. Also, it looks like a cool little C64, albeit without functioning keys. Well, by design anyway. After the initial release, it was able to play the built-in games. Also, a basic way to load disk images. After further firmware updates, it allowed you to load most type of disk and cartridge images from the USB. The joystick that came with it was not the best, and often led to complaints. But it's not too bad a system. All of the Pixel Guide and crew have one of these. Following on from this, Retro Games brought out a full-size C64 system called the C64, or what is now known as the Maxi, because it has a full-sized operational keyboard along with the same internals as the Mini. So you have a fully functioning C64 with quick loading and HDMI but it's still not true hardware. So then, there are some of the options open to you. Which one will you choose? The next thing you need to consider is how do I connect this thing up these days? And let's face it, load and save games. 
If you have chosen the classic hardware route, this next part coming up is just for you. So a lot of the choices coming up may be decided by what region you are in. NTSC, or America region, saw very little tape games, where, as the UK and Europe were mostly cassette tape based, this defined not only your method of loading games, but also what games we played. In the NTSC regions, getting games on disc meant that games were okay to have more than one load sequence, opening up to bigger and better experiences. Here in the UK, tape was king because it was inexpensive and the humble 1530 tape deck was bundled in packages right from the early years of the C64. Also, cartridges were a rare thing in the UK because of cost. Mostly back in the early and to mid-80s in the UK, the only cartridge games we got were the standard offerings like International Soccer and Jumping Jack from Commodore. Whereas in the NTSC region, games were often released on carts. Offering instant loading as an alternative to tape or even the slow loading disc system on the C64. So to start out in the PAL regions, you are going to mostly get a tape drive with your average C64. However, in the NTSC USA region, it's often seen that you get a C64 and a disc drive in your average eBay auction. This, of course, however, does drive some of the prices up. In the UK especially, I would look out for a good condition C64C with a bundle of tape cassette games the 1530 tape drive and maybe a joystick or two thrown in. This will give you an instant win and to be able to load up some games and obtain original games at the fraction of a cost. For example, Monty on the Run by Gremlin Graphics. Quite a good little platformer with a totally rad Rob Hubbard tune can go for anywhere between five and 15 pounds on cassette. Whereas the disc version is so much harder to find and sought after. Examples have been known to often change hands for anywhere between 100 to 250 pounds. Yes, that's 250 pounds for just one disc game that's 30 plus years old. Crazy. Of course, I don't have one of those. No, 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 no. If you are not looking to collect the physical games, there are several ways you can obtain games by nefarious means. Of course, I do not condone this in any way, but let's face it, just about everyone has or does do this even to this day. From Lemon 64 to Tosec packs, you can fit pretty much every single C64 game on a decent sized USB stick for around about £15 these days. Next lies the question of how you get them games from the USB stick onto the humble C64 and play them. If you go through emulation or even FPGA, it's pretty simple. Plug in your media supported by your system, enter a menu, select the game and load it. Depending on the power and makeup of the system you're loading it on, it may load quickly or it may simulate or emulate cycle exact loading. Therefore, slow or even slower, depending on the game you're loading. If you're taking a more traditional route and loading through real hardware, there are some very cool options open to you. This is based on your level of interest you have. Are you using the C64 for casual gaming and infrequent loading, or are you planning on blazing the C64 trail and using your C64 for more than just loading the occasional cracked game? First on my list for loading recommendations is one of the cheapest solutions for loading disc-based games is the SD to IEC. Depending on what model you go for, they come in various shapes and sizes. 
mostly an external device that plugs into the IEC or serial or disk drive port on the back and takes power from either the tape or expansion port. Commonly, you load up an SD card with a load of D64 files, those are disk images, or PRG files, that's Commodore 64 program files, and can load them. This has the advantage of being cheap and plentiful in supply, easy to get going and loading. However, I would recommend that you spend a little extra and plump for a fast loader cartridge that plugs into the cartridge port and speeds up loading of the old disk images by as much as 10 times. The fast, load, fast loaders sorry, also have a DOS wedge built into them to make it easy. The complex disk commands on the C64 can be confusing. Even formatting a disk from BASIC is a real chore on the C64. These type of cartridges make life so much easier when dealing with disks. Now, it's not all rainbows and roses for the SD to IEC. While it works with the vast majority of games, like single loaders, and even a lot of multi-disc games, disk swapping can be complex, and any game with full copy protection or funky fast loaders will not load, because SD to IEC does not have cycle-exact emulation of the disk system. Anything calling fancy interrupts or trick routines from some of the hardware that would be based on the 1541 disk drive will not work with the SD to IEC. Next up is a device that, for the most part, is more of a homebrew system for loading, called the Pi 1541. This, as you have guessed, uses a Raspberry Pi with a custom hat. This is a board that plugs into the expansion port on your Pi and allows you to plug it into the IEC port on the C64. The Pi 1541 does a great job and gives cycle-exact emulation. However, it's not as easy to obtain a cheap pre-built version and will run you around 60 to 80 because you have to include the cost of the Pi and the hat together. Next up, we have a cartridge solution that is a recent addition, namely called the Kung Fu Flash by Kim Yorkson. This again is a small software divine system that sits on a programmable chip. The custom board was designed by Kim a few years back and is fully open source. You can, if you're so inclined, build one of these yourself. However, for around 30 to 40 pounds, you can obtain one nice and easily pre-built. The Kung Fu Flash is one of the best value for money loading systems around at the moment. While it has its limitations with loading multiple disc images, the benefits of the system way outweigh some of its shortfalls. The main trick the Kung Fu Flash has is that you can instantly copy and load CRT files. These are cartridge images. These can take the form of cartridge games from back in the day, right up to the most recently released, like Soul Force from Sarah Jane Avery. That is a 512k image. Considering that the C64 normally can only address 16k cartridges, this is impressive that it can stream data from the cartridge image like that. The other advantage is that it can emulate other cartridges like utility carts, like the Super Snapshot, Action Replay and the Epix Fast Loader. It also loads PRG files, that's program files, super quick. The firmware is under constant update and new features are being added all the time by Kim. For me, this is a must-have for anyone using a C64 on an average budget with real hardware. 
Now then, to get into the more serious side of things on the C64, we have the king of add-ons for the system, the Ultimate 1541-2 by Gideon's Logic. This is pretty much 100% compatible as it simulates the entire 1541 architecture, that's the disk drive, in FPGA. It also includes some features as the Kung Fu Flash where you can mount or load cartridge images into the FPGA and run them directly. So again, it can re recreate the experience of having a real 1541 disk drive connected and an action replay. It also has so many more features and functions, like emulating a second SID chip. You can even select the type of SID you want to simulate. A whole host of DOS commands, and a built-in file commander, and a SID player. There is even expansion port for it that will allow you to load tap files. These are images of tape games, so you can load a tape image directly in from the cartridge. The list goes on. However, the downside of the Ultimate 1541-2 is the cost. All this does come at a premium price tag, and there is often a wait of a month or more to get into the next batch. There are very rarely available from stock. That being said, if you are wanting to seriously to get into the C64 in more than just loading games, I would recommend this with real hardware. There are other work devices that are worth a quick mention. For the hardcore tape users, there are devices that run, e run mini Arduino systems that are programmable to run tape loading from tap files. However, they add nothing to the loading experience apart from allowing you to select from a file from the USB stick with a load of tap files. But they still load the game in the same way in the same time. There are so many ways that you can load things into your C64, but at times there is nothing that beats the original hardware experience for the die-hard nostalgic C64 fan in us all. There were several different types of tape and disk drives available, but none more iconic than the 1530 or the C2N tape drive and the 1541 5.25 inch disk drive. Both can bring you that nostalgic feeling while loading and that awful nostalgic feeling when things just won't load. The 1530 tape drive is well known for its need to be regularly cleaned and have the azimuth alignment exact to on to load games from tape. But for me, that's a part of the fun. I know a lot find loading from tape boring and unreliable. But a 1530 tape deck is an essential for the C64 and has for most been the way they got their gaming fix back in the day. If you didn't get one with your C64, they will run you anywhere between 10 and 40 pounds for a mint example. Keeping heads cleaned and aligned is pretty straightforward task. Inside you have drive belt mechanisms, so after many years in storage, you can get warped or even melted belts. These are quite easily to replace and will bring a new lease of life back to your humble C2N. The 1541 disk drives are a whole other matter. Like the C2N, they have a mechanical side, but also a way more complex electronical side. Each 1541 drive was almost the equivalent computing power of that of the computer it connected to, along with some other magical Commodore ICs. These are prone to causing issues that will make drives unusable if anything goes wrong. They are big and bulky to have on your desk and in storage. 
However, if you want the ultimate in nostalgic vibes, then having and loading games from a 1541 brings all the C64 feels. Be it loading games or repairing, aligning and cleaning the heads to maintain them. Very much a labour of love. Once you have chosen your desired hardware, the software is the easy part, especially if you're not wanting to become an obsessed collector like myself. So, let's sum up what we've been through. To play and experience C64 games, you can simply plump for the C64 Mini or Maxi, and you have a turnkey solution that comes with some licensed games to play and allows you to load others and obtain yourself. The next step up is to commit to real hardware and look for a bargain C64, perhaps with a 1530 tape deck and a few games. Then look at getting yourself a Kung Fu Flash and maybe the next step in and get an SD to IEC with a fast load cartridge. For the hardcore person with serious nostalgia, you might want to look at getting a C64 breadbin bundled with a 1541 drive and some discs. Then look at getting one of the ultimate 1541 2 carts from Gideon's Logic. If you're looking for a hybrid solution, that is the new hardware mixed with old. Then the way to go is the ultimate 64 by Gideon's Logic put it in a C64 case along with maybe some real hardware thrown in if you want to transfer uh, discs from a 1541 yourself. There are other areas that you can visit with the C64, stacks more peripherals and add-ons to look out for from the action replay cartridges, printers, plotters, even modern Wi-Fi modems to allow your C64 into the world of bulletin board systems. I know this is something that Eric likes to get into and something I have dabbled with from time to time. There are lots of places to get these devices I have mentioned on this episode. I would recommend searching around for some great deals. Just some sites to mention are The Future Was 8-Bit, based in the UK but ships worldwide, Retrowine.ca, they're very good for North America, and Gideon's Logic, of course, for the Ultimate 64 and the Ultimate 1541 too. Plus, all the usual sites, like eBay, is always full of C64 items to purchase. Anyway, that's it for me this time. It's time for me, and perhaps for you, to be keeping up with the Commodore. Because the Commodore's always keeping up with you. In a world of Well, thank you very much, Tim, for all that insight. Yeah, it was excellent. And uh, Eric, your take on Yoshi. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My little review. I beat it after only about eight months. It took you that long, huh? No, it probably took me 
I've probably been playing it like a couple of levels a night, probably three months, four months. Eric, what's the sound? Oh, so this is a new, no, not new, but this is another beer that I brought. This one's not, um, you know, you can find this everywhere, but I um, I thought it was a pretty interesting take. It's it's Firestone 805, which is a great beer, everyday, kind of an everyday drinker. Uh, but this one is the Cerveza, the Cerveza difference. And it basically is 805 with a little lime flavor built really? in. So it is still 805. It's still 805, but it has a little lime Little lime built in. All right. Well, we got a frosty glass here. Oh, I poured yeah. my 805 Cerveza in. Thank you, Doug, for these these wide-based glasses. These are You know the coolest thing about these glasses that Doug got us is that they're weighted on the bottom so you can't spill them all over your they're electronics. They're spill-free video game mugs, yeah, they're, specifically. They're perfect for video games. So here we go. Cheers, mm. my friend. Boom. Have you had this one yet? Mm. Have you had this Ooh, one that's before? that's good. I have not. I've... Every time I go in there, I look at it, mm-hmm. but um, and I do buy 805 regularly for like mm-hmm. everyday drinking beer. Me too, me too. And so, I always look at it, and I never have have gotten up the cojones to just be like, whatever, I'm buying it. When it first came out, I didn't want to risk buying a whole 12-pack, and yep. that's all they came in. But then I happened to find a six-pack, and I bought it, and I like it. It's a good one. It's good. It's a great summer beer. Is that the regular 805? I mean, there's a lot of lime. It, it, it's good. From what I understand, it's 805 with a, with a hint of lime. Now, I, I will disagree that it's not quite a hint or a dash. It is a, a it, smattering of <laughs> lime. It slaps you in the face with lime flavor. It's good. But you know what? It hits just right, especially on a summer day in a nice cold mug, sitting by the pool. Imagine that. Close so your eyes. So I feel bad because... Oh, I, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. 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 I, just like the guy in the ad, I brought my uh, Commodore SX64 <laughs> to, yeah. the, to the back patio, and there's all kinds of women wearing bikinis walking around. I'm, I'm typing away in my Commodore, drinking this delicious beer in my board shorts. Indeed. Indeed. So, ah. All right. That's good. Yeah. Um, it's not 805 good. Yeah. But I, it's more refreshing than 805 because of that lime. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. And 805 is a great just get me a 12 pack and get me through the weekend kind of kind of beer. What is going on in my glass there? It's frozen. Look at that. Yeah, it froze the top. It just made this like bubble. Is that a bubble or is that a piece of ice? Oh, it's a bubble. Now it's kind of gone away. That was weird. <laughs> Drinking more beer. So let's, uh, you, you want to rate this now? Yeah, so my my this is a fun fun little story from my past. Okay, from my daughter's past. Yeah, uh, I was trying to teach her how to use a knife. Ooh, no, I don't like that. where this is going. No, it's not like that. Okay, um, because she was cutting limes. Uh, oh, okay. And so yeah, I, I'm like all worried about the knife and everything. She yeah. cuts in the lime, squirts her straight in the eye hole, <laughs> and she screams and is like freaking out and it burns like crazy. I'm sure straight yeah. lime juice in the eye. Yeah. Um. So out of um. 805 lime eyes. <laughs> lime eyes. <laughs> I rinse. I, I rinse uh, those medical like I rinse devices. Yeah, like, right. You know, hold up. What are you gonna, What are you going to give this one? Uh, out of lime eyes. Um, 805 lime eyes. Yeah, 805 lime eyes. I'm going to give this a solid. Out of 800, 805, I'm going to give this a. S- 620. Uh, I went 620. All right. But you went six ninety. I went a little higher. I I, I I like it. I think it's refreshing. I, I mean, it's, it's not very refreshing. Be... I, I'm doing it in the context of mm-hmm. like if I compare it to the last beer, mm. 
Yeah. It's nothing, but if I was out in the backyard by the pool, it'd be perfect. I'm gonna take this over that beer all day long. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. It is delicious. I probably went a little low. We'll, we'll meet in the middle. We'll both say 650 and be happy. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. 650. So this is the Firestone 805 Cerveza. It is local. Cerveza. What is it? Where is it? Um, Paso Robles. Paso well, Robles. Uh, is it? Yeah, it is. Paso yeah. Robles. Yep. Yep. Battle of the Systems. <laughs> Um, Eric, excellent. It is time for us to battle two games. Yeah, with a very interesting connection. Yeah, please explain that to me. Do you know the connection? It wasn't it mascots, basically. Yeah, I basically called it alternative mascot. Okay, eight bit games, basically. So when you think of Nintendo eight bit mascot, what do you think of Mario? Cool, Master System. What do you think of uh, K- Alex Kidd? Yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah, of. cool. So if and those games <clears throat> were made by. Sega and Nintendo, respectively. True. So, when you think of Nintendo, yeah. non-first party, what big character do you think of? You think of Kirby. I think of Kirby with and HAL Laboratories. With HAL Laboratories, yeah. And this other one's weird, but <clears throat> if you look at any top five list, yeah. the first game that pops up in almost all those lists, that is also a platformer, first of all, uh, is Psycho Fox. Mm. And um, I'll give you more information on that later. But basically, I thought, hey, Kirby's kind of like an unofficial second-party mascot, third-party mascot, and Psycho Fox is kind of a second-party, third-party mascot-type game. I, I wouldn't say it's a mascot. It's the only game with Psycho Fox. But yeah. I that's think what we went with. I think it's a good connection. And I just wanted to play both those games. Sure. So, I'm going to pull up some video. Yeah. Um, let's start with the known quantity, I think. Okay. Start with Kirby. Excellent. We'll start with Kirby. I'm going to give you some dry facts while you're pulling up some video for us to watch. Give it to me dry. Let me show me what you got. <laughs> All right. So this was developed by HAL Laboratory, which I think is an interesting company. I mean, do you know they, they made a bunch of games on the VIC-20, like way back when? I didn't know that part yeah, of it. Yeah, no. it's pretty neat, because uh, I remember playing games by HAL Laboratories on my VIC-20. Um, but the publisher is Nintendo. The director is Masashiro Sakurai. Producer is Satori Iwata, who was the guy who actually wrote VIC-20 games, which I found pretty amazing. Oh, interesting. I didn't know Um, that. That's a fun little fact. uh, And Shigeru Miyato? Miyamoto, Miyamoto, of course. Yeah, Yeah. sorry. Miyamoto. Who Um, was with NES, because they worked very closely at at Nintendo and HAL. Correct. Even though technically HAL was completely a separate company, Mm -hmm. they worked closely. Uh, this was, of course, on the Nintendo Entertainment System, uh, but there also a version came out on the Game Boy Advance and Nintendo 3DS. The Japanese version of this came out on March 23rd, 1993, so a later title, very later for the Nintendo. Yes. It was eight years, I think, after the launch of the Nintendo. Um, May 1st, 1993 for North America. Um, it is a platformer, obviously, single player. Those are the dry statistics. Now, there's an interesting fact in this game, for me. <laughs> yeah. Not fact, an interesting thing. Um, I first played this game on... Not this game, but I've played a Kirby game on the Game Boy. That's the only Kirby game I've ever played my whole life. On entire, the original black and white Game Boy, the right? original black and white <clears throat> Game Boy. And that's the only game I've ever played my whole life outside of Kirby's Dream Course, 
which I've played on the Super Nintendo, but that's a golf game spinoff thing. And the one on the Game Boy was called Dreamland. Dreamland. And it was the first Kirby it game. It came out before this, and it, I did not know that. Yeah, and it's very much limited. That it, it that I've played that one, too, and it is a very different game. I mean, it's a platformer, obviously, but it's pretty simplistic for a platformer. Much bigger sprites, therefore, the kind of... Yeah. Overview of the whole land, uh, the, the gameplay changes because everything's so big compared to the background that scrolls. Yeah. Um, so that was very interesting, and I can talk more about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always been excited to play this game. I think I've turned it on in the past and just kind of touched the controls a little bit. Yeah. Um, we'll get to the controls in just a second. But when you turn it on the game. As Aaron would say, you had a cup of coffee with it. Oh, I've not heard him say Every that. Every once in a while. Yeah, he says, I had a cup of coffee with that game. Man, guy's caffeinated. Um, yes. Actually, I want to get what your history with because you have history. With it. I have no history with this game. I wanted to play it. Uh, yeah, and I don't have history back in the day because I didn't have a Nintendo. But in the my, in the modern time, it's not. It's it's very difficult to go any amount of time without coming across this game or somebody talking about this game. And it came out very very late in the Nintendo's life, and it is highly regarded as one of the best games on the original Nintendo. So you're obviously drawn to it if you do any research on the Nintendo at all. And I do. I I have started and stopped this game probably four or five times in the last ten years. And I don't know why. It's a a beautiful game. I mean, we'll get into what what we think about the game, but I never made a real push to finish this game, and I still haven't finished it, but I do want... After now that I beat Yoshi's Island, this is probably the next game I want to beat. Okay. And and I have save files over all my different devices, and I've, I usually get about halfway through when I go on to something else, so I have a starting point where I can finish this game, I think, within a couple of weeks. couple of weeks? Well, I mean, dude, I only play a game an hour at a time. I mean, well, I, so... So I will tell you straight up, mm-hmm. and this will give away a little bit. Yep. I started this game, and I think about a little over two hours later, I was I beat it. Wow! Wow! So I I, I, can, I played this thing all the way through. Cool. Um, I want to say other things, but we'll wait. Okay. Um, so, game starts with a unique thing, which I've actually seen this before. A lot of people point out this. It teaches you how to draw Kirby. That's how the game starts. Yeah. <laughs> And he's this adorable pink fluff ball, mm-hmm. super Japanese, super chibi. Yeah. Um, great music, super addictive music. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've heard this in the past, but I believe Nintendo and HAL Laboratories shared information because yeah. a lot of the sounds and stuff are very reminiscent of like Super Mario Three. Oh, okay, interesting. Like, a lot of the and that's a, I mean that's the best in my opinion the best NES game there is. Is is it possible? I love Mega it, Man more, but as yeah. far as technical like. I wonder if these composers on here were composers on, on on that game hmm. you're talking about. Maybe they, maybe they maybe they share composers. I don't know. I do like at the beginning it kind of shows you what the all the buttons do and all the controls and there's a lot of them for such a very simple game. Yeah, there's a lot of controls. Unlike the one we were talking about, Dreamland on the Game Boy, which is almost ver- too simplistic. Okay, this game has a lot going on. A lot and of at controls. first I was very turned off by that. I was yeah. kind of scared by it to mm-hmm. be honest for me. Um, so want to go ahead and run us through the, uh, controls? What do you, how would you... I can start, you can help out here, but, um, there is... So first of all, it's a platform game. I it's mean, a, it is a platform game. Platform so game. obviously left, right, he, Kirby can fly, where he inflates himself, and then he can shoot out a puff of air, which is, 
can damage enemies, but it can also make them float back down to the bottom. There is a so by pressing up, you inhale air yep. and can go up. And when you're full of air, you can go up and down slowly, just kind of fly through the air. Exactly. Um, Kirby can suck in air, and when he does that, he can suck in enemies. Now he holds them in his mouth. And he can shoot them out to hurt an enemy. And he comes, they come out as a star. They come out as a star, yep. Or he, you press down and he absorbs the energy of the enemy if the enemy has a special feature. He eats it like Yoshi. It's, he eats like very, Yoshi. it's very much like Yoshi. You can spit it back yep. out or swallow it. Yep. And now, the thing about it, though, is that there are enemies that don't have powers. So you sw- if you push down, nothing happens. And it tells you that in a little graphic on the bottom. And it's he like, never poops. Somehow he, he just never poops. He, well, I mean, we, he doesn't poop that we see. Maybe in between stages. Yeah, exactly. It's between gotcha. stages. Gotcha. Um, so th- there's that mechanic. And then there's also a kick slide, which I didn't use that much, but it is there. You can like... Um, kind of like a Mega Man. You press down and attack and he just slides forward he while just, kicking and correct and he can, can break through blocks and things yep and so uh you at least i don't use that one that much um by the time you get to the end of the game you have to use it for th- certain yep, things but yep. it's not you can use it to kill enemies but you can also use it to break blocks on the ground which is really where it comes in handy yep now when he absorbs powers i can't remember the number of powers probably six different ones oh there's or? more when you go through the game there's powers that it doesn't tell you about oh, okay that's one of the brilliant things about this game is you can keep finding more and more powers yeah now because i mean there's things like fire sword um, laser beams, laser beams, ice cubes, like freezing people, and then they turn to blocks that you can shoot at enemies. Yep. Um, so many different special features. Yeah, and then that's one of the fun things of the game is in exploration. You can like go and you find different um, power ups that when you swallow an enemy. But also one thing we didn't talk about yet, and I'm sure we'll get to it, is the overworld. But there are bonus levels where you pl- fight like mini bosses, and then you can absorb their power. Yep. Um, so that you can switch in between levels if you wanted to. I think the first one you get to, you can learn how to suplex guys. You inhale them, <laughs> and you can like suplex them, like yeah. jump in the air and smash them into the ground. Yep. Um. So the first level here, I'll just start. You start level. They call it level one. Um, yeah. I guess if you want to call that a level or a stage. I guess in this case they call it a level. Yeah. Uh, vegetable Valley. And it brings you to a screen that looks like any other screen in the game. However, there is part of the screen is covered by like wallpaper. Yeah. I'm going to call it that. And then there's doors with the number one above it. And essentially that is, I guess, stage one, level Mm -hmm. one, stage one. Yep. You beat that stage, which is, again, more platforming. You get to the end where there's a door with a star above it. You get out of there and now it unlocks door two. There's always five to six levels in a... Or stages in a level. Yep. And then the last and there's bonus, door there's, is a boss. The last door is a boss, but there's always also a bonus level. A couple bonus levels. Sometimes there's sprinkled. more than one, yeah. Yep. And those bonus levels just get you extra things. A lot of them give you extra lives. A lot of them give you the opportunity to get a different power-up. Um, and the, it, it is cool, the visual effect when you beat a level... You know, he comes out of the door, slams the door, the door, the the level shakes a little bit, and then the world kind of reveals almost like Shadow of Fog, or, or what is it, Fog of War, I mean. Yeah. Like Fog of War, like it the opens. Paper, the wallpaper rips open rips and more open stuff Rips open and shows. more doors show open, and they're just simple doors. That's the overworld, and then you go into, and 
The overworld music is amazing. Like a lot of the music in this game is um, it, it's really good. It, it's really really good. It this really if I had to if somebody didn't had never played Nintendo, I would say, hey, you want to see a visually stunning game with awesome music? I would show them this game. Hard on Mario three, but this game as well. Yeah, <laughs> and and let, let's talk about one thing to contrast between this and Psycho Fox is the palette. This has a very pastel palette. Uh, pinks, light oranges, yellows, light blues for the sky. But also bright. Sure. Pastel usually means like, you know, tamed, but it, there's bright green there glass is, and there stuff. Is. But yeah, yeah, it's very cuddly. But it Everything's can, cuddly. Yep. And But in contrast to Psycho Fox, very like um, your, 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 uh, what, what do they call it? Primary Basic colors. Primary colors, like yeah. blues and reds and yellows, like solid, which is cool. Where you have to clap when you talk exactly. about them. Exactly. They're beautiful <laughs> colors. Exactly. <laughs> But th- that, that to me, was one of the things that stood out as a contrast, a difference between the two games. Not better or worse, but one is a very primary color game, and one is a very, like, uh, muted and, yeah, yeah. And, and muted and maybe not pastel, you're right, but muted kind of... Uh, there are a lot of pastels. It's not purely pastels, yeah. but there are a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so Kirby has uh, six units of health yeah the bottom i'd say quarter of the screen is kind of a gooey and you see how many lives you have you have your name kirby with the kind of six pills if you will of health and then your score goes back and forth between what the, the score and if you're fighting a large enemy it'll show you the health of the enemy almost Mega Man style with a ton of little bars that's right um but what's really cool and it's very useful honestly is there's also a picture in the middle of the gooey yeah and it'll tell you what ability you have if you've consumed ability. If you consume an enemy with no ability, it'll tell you, it just says nothing for a brief second. Um, a lot of information is prevent- presented in that little picture, and it actually is, comes in handy. It's actually really nice. Um, and so the basic gameplay is going left to right, sometimes up or down, sometimes right to left, but primarily left to right. And you'll go through a number of archways press up to go through an archway if you're inflated and you press up through an archway you immediately blow out your air before you go in that's but right you, but you go in and you'll go through a few different screens archways in each level oh one thing we forgot to get mention, to the end and, and complete the stage yeah one thing we forgot to mention the controls you can release your power up yes you can press select yep if you press they ran out of buttons this they game ran out is of too buttons. intense yep but there is there will be times in the game especially with bosses where you might want to release you're special because to defeat the boss, you're you're gonna spit back what he is shooting at you, and it is helpful to spit to release your special ability so that you can just depending on what it is, depending on what it is, yeah. But there are, there are times when you're gonna want to release your power ups. Now that's a good point. Yeah, when you press select, yeah, the star shoots out your butt, so he does poop. It, that's true. He does poop. That I'm is not, true. Not you mentioned it. He poops stars. Yeah, and well, fairy dust. Well, he eats. I mean, well, he doesn't eat stars, but I mean, he eats dudes that turn into stars everything he touches turns to stars yeah um but speaking of star-shaped poops that sounds that sounds pretty painful you had to go there eric what starfish (laughs) um (laughs) i didn't say that i said star-shaped poops it's still pg we're good um this (laughs) lost my train of thought now that'll do it i'm not gonna tell you what i'm thinking about now um so, anyways, the the game proceeds like that, but it's cool because at the end of every stage, when you go to that final door with a star above it, 
there's a quick little mini game right away, and I always forget about it. Yeah. Um, you drop, you kind of come up to this magic other level. You kind of drop onto like a, a trampoline almost, mm-hmm. and then you, when you press the button, if you don't press anything, you just you hop up to the lowest level, to the next level. Yeah, it which, gives you like 500 points. Yeah, but if you get it when it's at the very bottom, I believe. Yeah, of the trampoline. It'll shoot you 10 layers up, and you get a free life. So every time you finish a level, you have an attempt at a free life or a bunch of points if you care about points, which... And he does that little dance with the other, like, Kirby's. Is the there's, other like, Kirby's? more Kirby. Yeah, it's like, it's, and, like, he's very much like Yoshi. His name is Kirby, and there's, like, other Kirby's, kind of like Yoshi and other Yoshi's. Yep. Anyways. Now, the enemies are very varied and different, and you kind of get to learn how they work, and they use their abilities, so when you ingest them and take their ability you know what you're going to get because they're using them against you i really liked the beam ability which kind of did like a sweeping beam from top to like that's 45 one of my, degrees below you that's one of my favorites just kind of laid waste to enemies yep um the 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 layout of where the enemies are was just brilliantly done um right but i think the ultimate reason this game was it's not a hard game this, no. is a, this is a pretty easy game. The, yeah, the, what I one thing I really like about this game is kind of a chill game. Like I, I I've yet to have any any difficulty with any levels. I mean, like like a lot, like like a lot of difficulty. Like um, physically engineering yourself on a controller. Yeah, I mean, the reason I've never beaten it is just because I only play like a level at a time. Like, and then I go to bed, and then I wake up the next day. I'll play a level, and I don't, I don't, I take my time with it. Yeah. Because there is a thing that I think that you might have alluded to this, or we're going to allude to it. There are levels in this game where you can just fly over everything, and the level's done. So that was a negative. Yeah, and that is a negative. That is a negative I have written down here, is that there is there are several levels where the way the level is designed, you can just literally float over everything, get to the exit, and you're done with that level. So, that being said, mm-hmm. what I love about the game is <clears throat> that... A lot of these games where you have different abilities and you can do so many things, mm-hmm. you kind of have to. It's a it becomes kind of puzzle game where you have to learn. All right, so I need to make sure I get this and do this right here, otherwise I can't get past it. This game, regardless of what abilities you have, there's a way to get past it. Yeah. So you can kind of do it how you want to do it. Yeah. And, and it's super fun. I mean, if you want to sit there and and use no abilities and just puff up and blow air, it's harder, but you can do it. If you want to grab a sword and you're good enough with the sword that you never lose it, yeah. you can use the sword the whole game. You can. Um, when you get hit and you have a weapon, it, it pops out the back of you. You have to ingest it again, the yeah, star that bounces. you can bounces. go chase it and track it down and then get it back. Uh, so that's that's key to know. Yep. Um, and then there are power-ups, uh, small little power-ups that'll give you, like, one or two pieces of health back. And then these big M ladybug-looking They look like ladybugs. I always wonder if they were ladybugs or not, but they do look like little ladybugs. And or the, or the little health. bottles, right? The, the bottles are will give you two, and the ladybugs two. will give you, like, the full they health just, back. Yeah. And then it it very much feels like a Mario game where you can get to the point where you have like thirty lives saved yeah. up, just yep. tons of. So I when I beat this game, I did not use a single continue. Oh wow, nice! Um, because I got so many lives, and yep. I, honestly, I never really had too much of a challenge until I got to like level or they call it level stage world, whatever you want to call it, like five. Okay, there's seven total stages. Yeah. Um. Do you want to talk about the mini? And uh, there's a bunch of different mini games, and they're all pretty clever. Yeah, the first one that you're going to encounter is a claw machine that yep. you go and you 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 literally hold the button down to move the claw to the right, and then you as let soon as you go let the go, button, the claw goes down, and you can go for the big Kirby, which the big Kirby gives you, I think, three. 
Two, two, two lives. Two lives, or you can grab the little Kirby and get one life and then go back again and try to grab another one. Um, I think you get... You get two, two, you get two, two chances. chances, yeah. Um, and then there are just... There are a ton of different mini-games. Um, one I like, um, you... this penguin guy who's like the main bad guy or yeah. or so oh, no spoilers but so you think yeah is the main bad guy um will sit up there on a pirate ship and have cannons toss eggs at that's you. right that's right i remember that and if you hold yeah. down the button your mouth stays open you catch all the eggs but every once in a while a bomb will come towards you and you have to let go so your mouth closes because as soon as you catch a bomb you blow up and that's the end that's and if you right. get enough eggs you can get you know a few extra lives one extra life just if you don't get enough you just get points yep um, and then there's one where there's like a there's like, if I remember right, there's like a a, a, a little mini boss that you fight, and then the, the, there's like a little staircase. Maybe you, man, my memory is pretty bad on this, but there's almost like a little staircase where you can get three different power ups, um, and you can just grab whichever one you want. But I don't, I, I think that one was a there, little. There, yeah, there's ones that aren't actually mini games. They're more just like here, you get a free power, your choice. That's right. That's right. And then, um, but then there's also a, a kind of a an alternate boss if you want to fight a boss yeah to try to gain his power before you go fight like the main boss because yeah. his power will just lay waste to that main boss right um as in any good 8-bit nes game there's underwater levels where you swim <laughs> right, they're not frustrating they're actually fun yeah um i don't know what to say this game is I'm surprised you beat it that quickly. I didn't know it was really that possible to beat it that quick. I knew I've heard of people beating it quickly because you can just fly over levels. Um, I didn't sit there and try to find all of the. Uh, there's lots of secrets and stuff you can pull out of this game. Yeah, but if you just focus on getting through the level and not trying to find every one up and everything, like I just was trying to get through levels. Yeah, it did not take long. Now I, I say two hours. I'm looking at this playthrough of somebody who knows what they're doing. It took them two hours and 17 minutes. Okay, I probably took three then. Okay. I was kind of playing a bit, and then I'd pause it, and then I had something else to do and came back and played yeah. it. But I did it in one day. Okay. Um, but that's not a negative. Like, yeah. It wasn't without challenge. Okay. The first, I'd say the first three worlds were without challenge, but they were still fun. Like, I would go back and play it right now. This falls into, into the realm, for me, more challenge than Rescue Rangers, but a game that is so much fun to play, I don't care that it's easy. I just want to keep playing. We should talk about the controls in this. I mean, the way they feel. It, they are oh, tight. It's, it's very tight. Yeah, I mean, you you do exactly what you think you're going to do on the on the joystick. There's no... It's not floaty, It it unless you're floating. Because uh, <laughs> he does fly, but... It, I love the controls in this game. I love the graphics in this game. I, I, I mean, this is a game that I will go back to every six months to a year and just play like halfway through it and then i just go on to something else and then i come back to it and i usually start from the beginning again because it's fun yeah it's a fun there's game. so many different worlds it's creative enough you've got so many different skill sets and they put you in so many situations you get to use all of them but you could also avoid any ones you don't want to use without penalty mm-hmm. um great music the art's great i have so much good to say about this game I, the only downsides that would keep it from being like a mario beater for me yeah would be that there are kind of broken levels, like you said, where you can just fly over a thing if you want to. That's right. Um, the challenge could be a little more difficult to just make it a little more for for more, more replay. More robust gamers might not get as much challenge as they as as they would hope for. But this straight up goes into at least my top five NES games, if not higher. Yeah, like straight up, like that quick. I've only played it for three hours, and I know it's in. 
Yep. I I think it is the best game on the NES, I think. And but really? listen, I haven't really okay. played through the Mega Man's. That's going to be my challenge, one of my challenges for this year. I haven't played any through the Mega Man's. I haven't I haven't really even tackled a lot of the um like the 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 like my wife beats like the Super Mario Bros, like she'll beat that one. I've never played it all the way through Super myself. Mario, I would say Super Mario 3 beats this, but okay. the, other, the other two don't. Yeah. And Super Mario uh, 3 is the one with the little, like, fox with yeah. the spinning... Yeah. And, and the Tanuki? And, yeah, the Tanuki, <laughs> exactly. And Listen I, to episode 58 or 59. No, 59. That's right. The Tanuki. I, I haven't played through that one, though, but when I do play it, I'm like, this game looks and sounds amazing. Like, I love that game, too. Those two games, I'd probably say, are the two best games on Nintendo, hands down. Again, not playing Mega Man games. I need to tackle those one of these days, but... There are a few abilities in this game I didn't understand, like Ball. I don't understand how that was beneficial. I don't know if you got Ball. I did, and I didn't I didn't use it, though. I'd always go to something else. Um, really quick, here's that minigame. Yeah. Really quick, there... Oh, and there's, here's another minigame, uh, where you do quick draw. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So basically, an one. enemy sits there and waits in silence, and all of a sudden they draw their gun, and you have to tap A to shoot them before they shoot you. Um, that one's kind of a blast. I won that all of once. I think I played it three times, <laughs> and I was only able to win it once. Um... So, quick spoiler. Yeah. Um, if you haven't played this before, plug your ears for 20 seconds. Um, <clears throat> here, towards the end of the game, this is what I thought was cool. I started playing, all of a sudden, everything's black and white. Yeah. And I realized, that's when I looked it up. I'm like, this is the Game Boy game. Oh, wow. So, it actually lets you play like the first two levels of the Game Boy game right towards the end. Oh wow! In black and white, you're pink still, but everything yeah. else is black and white. And it's the, there it is. That's the Game Boy game. That's pretty cool. Um, you know the the aspect ratio is a little bit off, but there it is. And then um, and then the end of the game has a bunch of cool boss fights. You get a kind of like Mega Man style. You get to fight all the bosses you fought before. Yeah, all the way through again. Um, but at this point, you know him really well. You can see at this point he's got 47 lives saved up. <laughs> I love this game, and I am so glad that I. Uh, that you mentioned it, and I agreed to play it and found Psycho Fox to put it against so we can make this happen. Yeah. Cool. Love this game. All right, so... Let's rate this one. Out of um, 30 awkward high school mascot heads. <laughs> what? <laughs> 30 <laughs> awkward... I don't know. It's a mascot game, right? Yeah. So I just think of like high school and like... Yeah, high school mascot. The mascots. cheerleader that wasn't good enough to make it on the cheerleading squad became like the mascot. Okay. She had to put the big head on. Yeah. <laughs> she had to. The cheerleaders never did that. I know one that did. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Anyways. Uh, they wore, they wore big heads. We were the Trojans, and we had this, like, over-the-top cartoon Trojan yeah. head that, that the, the cheerleader who wasn't on the cheerleading squad wore. She did a great job. She owned it. She loved that mascot job, so it's all good. But Yeah. So how many? Out of how many? Uh, I just said 30. Out of 30. You going to go first, or you want me to? I'll go first if you want me to. Go ahead. Oh, this game is so good. Uh, slightly off from perfect. I can't give it 100%. I can't give it a 30 out of 30. Right. I'm going to give it a solid 28 out of 30. That's exactly the number Dude, I had in my on, mind. We are, we are simpatico today. I, I'm serious. That's the number I had. I was like, if it's 30, I'm, I'm doing 28, because I love this game. It I, is really I do good. love it. It's really, really good. Let's talk about... Speaking of really, really, really good. Yeah. Let's talk about Psycho Fox. Psycho Fox! 
Have you ever heard of this game? I hadn't. Okay. But I did learn a lot. I did a lot of research on this game. Did you? Okay. Uh, and uh, because I was very interested in it. Um, so, so let's. let's so, so to make sure. Okay, yeah, you do the dry stats first. You do here. the dry stats first. The developer was Vic Tokai. Um, the publisher was Sega and Tectoy in Brazil. Um, the director was. I'm going to mess up his name. Tashihisi Hasegawa. Oh, you nailed it. I think so. I think I did pretty good on that. Now, this was released in June 1st, 1989. So quite a, quite a few years, four years, five years, four years before the Kirby's Adventureland. Um, that was in North America. It was a 2D action platformer. Now, the funny thing about this game is there is a version on... Um, the Nintendo Entertainment set system. Really? Uh, yeah, look at that. You got it. It's called Kid Cool. I'll let you talk about that a little bit. Have you played that? Because <laughs> so, you, you have the box edition. So there's a, yes, holding I'm, the box I'm holding edition, my right? box copy from when I was a kid. Yeah, and, and now, the, now the, it's not Psycho Fox. It's not a fox. But well, 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 Are you done with the dry stats? I, I'm done with the dry stats, yeah. Here's the other thing. There's another game yeah. in a similar vein called Decap Attack on... The Genesis as well. That, that it's like an upgraded version. See, if yeah. you notice on here, I already pulled up Kid Cool. I'm going to show you a little bit of Kid Cool just so you can get the, the gist. Okay. Um, here's Kid Cool. Decap Attack is the spiritual successor of Psycho Fox for the Sega Genesis. So, look at the, I mean, it's a, it is a different game. This is a different game. It, yeah, the levels are not the same, but the mechanics are similar. Um, so, this game... If you look at it here, like you'll you'll recognize the gameplay I mean, little guy you throw. We'll talk more about that in a second. It looks similar. So this is the reason I wanted to play this game. Okay. When I was a little history lesson with Cody here. When I was younger, yeah, I had money, or I was able to go like spend fifty dollars at Toys R Us, mm-hmm. and of course I yeah. said video games. Of course. But I was not privy to things like video game magazines or friends who played video games. <laughs> or any of this information. So you were pulled in by the box cover. So when no, I was pulled <laughs> in by the low price. Uh, well, sure. So when yeah. I went to Toys R Us and I saw there were games, uh, and my parents were trying to lead me. Hey, Cody, you like Mega Man Three? How about Mega Man Four? And I'm like, that's forty nine ninety nine. That would use all my money. Yeah. Instead, I could get Kid Cool for nineteen ninety nine. I still get other games. I should do that. <clears throat> right. That was a bad mistake, Eric. <laughs> um. This game is the epitome. What was that game you bought? That was a helicopter game for the Commodore 64 that you regretted like your whole life? I did, and I still think about it. This uh, isn't that yeah. game for me. Okay. This is that game. Wow. I bought Kid Cool, and I started playing it. I'm like, this is the worst. Even as a kid, like I, you know, at kids, you accepted whatever you got, and you were happy with it. I, this was the worst garbage of a video game, and if I could have uh, had the confidence to go back and get my money back, I would have. Yeah. I hated this game, but forced myself to play it because I bought it. Of course, I mean, so I remember while you were talking, it was Super Huey was the one I regretted. Super Huey, like, yes. I hate, like, and I got it. Be, like you said, it was cheap. I went to Roseville Auction. It was cheap, and I was like, I could get this and a bunch of other games. And I, the same story you have. And I, I took it home. I was like, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, like I no. knew right away. <laughs> I knew right away. Um, so this game always haunted me. Is, that's um, not the original version, is it? This is my original copy from when I was a kid. Wow! Yeah. Let me look at that box. I want to see the box yeah. art. Um, and it, so basically, it's the same style of gameplay. It's, 
<laughs> we'll talk more about it, but this is a very momentum-heavy game, Psycho Fox and Kid Cool. Yeah. It, it, and you the have title, this little puffball that you throw. I want to say the, the, the full <laughs> title here. Kid Cool and the quest for the seven wonder herbs. <laughs> you gotta go get that herb, bro. <laughs> and Kid Cool is spelled with two Ks. Kid exactly. Cool. Wow. Um, I don't want to put that in the water. <laughs> no, please do. <laughs> uh, so I kept this. It's one of the few physical games I kept just because this was my childhood game that haunted oh, me. And I have to keep my haunted. You have to keep that. Um, Beautiful. I don't have the instructions anymore, unfortunately, but whatever. Yeah. If anybody out there wants to send me a kid cool instruction book. Something tells me it's not that that necessary to play the game. <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, so that. When I saw that, and I first got my um, my EverDrive for my Master yeah. System, right? I looked up the best Master System games, and mm-hmm. I saw a game called Psycho Fox. I'm like, that looks awesome. And I loaded it up. I'm like, oh no, this is Kid Cool. This is like Kid this cool. feels like Kid Cool. And I looked online, double checked, went to other sites. Everyone put that game way at the top. Yeah, I'm like, no, 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 they're wrong. And I was like, this has got to be one of those weird, like, Europe versus U.S. things where, like, the game, for whatever reason, was big over there, but we hated it over here. Like, what's going on? I have no idea. And I know the prices are high on video games in general, but did you know Psycho Fox is one of the very expensive games on the Master System? My goodness. It's between okay. eight, like, 80 and 120 oh. bucks. Oh, you mean, you mean now? Right now, on eBay. Yes. Yeah. In so, fact, I, I actually owned a copy and I sold it. Um, okay. A while back for not quite that much, but close-ish. I researched it, and I was amazed at the price of Psycho Fox on the Sega Master System. <laughs> so I, I ran it by Tim, our okay. cohort here on the show, Pixel yeah. Guide In. Mm-hmm. And he worked at the video game store at that time. Right. And he said that game sold. Like, it, that was a, sold popular, like it was a popular game. So I'm like, all right, I'm missing something. Something, yeah, something's afoot. We're going to battle this out somehow. Here's how we found a way to battle it against Kirby, which... Might be an unfair fight. I don't know. Let's see. We're going to find out. So let's talk Psycho Fox. Mm-hmm. And, and your history with the game is... Zero. I never played this. I never loaded it up even. So I uh, this was my very first introduction to it. So I'm going to... I'm gonna. I already kind of gave a lot of my cool kid... Kid cool opinions. So... Yeah. Um, let me know what you think about this. You started with this game completely unaware. So I want to hear your your thoughts and and everything so how does the game play so forth so far and so forth okay so the game you start off as the fox the psycho fox who by the way is a there there's lore to kirby as well as this game that we didn't talk about i mean there is the story behind japanese lore yeah there's a story behind it i mean suffice it to say like a a quick thing on kirby I'll, i'll keep this very brief some evil dude breaks up this wand into multiple pieces. You go fight the bosses. You grab pieces of the wand, and then you need to put them together. In Psycho Fox, you're the good fox, and you're fighting a mad fox. Um, after seizing power, mad fox corrupted the land and created hordes of creatures. One young fox, you, Psycho Fox, has been chosen by his fellow people to get rid of, rid of these dudes. So there's bad guys everywhere, and you start off as Psycho Fox. Now, what does he do? He jumps. Now, he jumps, there, yes. there, there is a momentum system. which Oh, takes, there's momentum. It takes so much getting used to <laughs> that it is, it's very frustrating because I, I, got, I got past level three. I got past level three, and I, I still was not used. Like, I would still 
not hit platforms I was going for because I didn't do the right momentum. I got better at it, but I never mastered it. So basically you run and you start off kind of slow and then you build momentum. And then when you jump, you jump further if your momentum is, if you're running faster. If you literally hold <clears throat> right or left for mm-hmm. a, like a half a second, which is a good amount of time, yep. and jump, you'll literally jump straight up in the air almost, yeah. moving forward like a pixel, mm-hmm. or two or three pixels. Like yeah. You'll just fall right down off the platform you're trying to jump from. The first time I played this game, I, couldn't, I, I didn't get off the first level. Because I yep. would jump and fall off the platform and hit the enemies below me. And yep. then they would kill me. And then I'd go back to the beginning. I'd do it all over again. And it took me about one playthrough to then be able to pass level one. Yep. And that was my experience with Kid Cool as well. Now, so now, what, I would, what, I would, now what does that mean? The, the, the jumping when you do have momentum is still very floaty to me. So You, you jump relatively high and relatively far yeah yes so it 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 takes some very it it takes some getting used to i don't even want to say it takes getting used to it's just so foreign from any other game you're used to that has tight controls yeah would you agree with that so yes i would so what i would make it akin to if anybody Mm -hmm. has car experience yeah is starting a car in third gear (laughs) <laughs> that, yeah, fair like, enough. Yeah. You got to sit there and let the engine rev and slowly get some momentum going before you get going. But once you get going, you're going. Yeah. It almost like it's like it wants to have the momentum of Mario. Yeah. But it wanted the speed of Sonic. Yeah. And it missed so far in each direction that you go way too fast or way too slow. And it's really hard to hit that middle ground. Right. At first. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say at first. Yeah. Because I did get used to it. Okay. Somehow. Yeah. Somehow I got used to it. Eventually, and then I ran out of time for the podcast, I eventually was like, okay, now I can hit every platform I'm going for. Because the funny thing is you'll jump on a small platform when you have no room to get momentum. Yeah. So now you're like, well, I can't jump to this area. I'm going to have to go kind of st- stair step up these smaller platforms to get to an area and it, it takes so long to go upstairs because yeah. that momentum is so yep slow. and then you miss your sometimes you miss your platforms which happened to me more earlier than later once i got more used to it yeah but i never quite i l- l- let me say this instead i never it's not that i never quite got used to it I never, I never got to the point where I enjoyed it. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh, okay. So let, let's, just, let's just draw the line there. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. So what I, I'm going to get all the negatives out of the way. Yep. That was the big one. Yep. Um, now, yep. now, the other button does is punch. The other do- button does is punch. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, which is this bizarre arm that goes... It's an arm that goes kind of way out and comes back in. You know Forrest Gump where he punches the guy in the car? It's a very <laughs> direct, like, robot punch. Yeah. That's what he does. Hey, it was effective, though. Um, and then what you can break these eggs open. Yeah. And they could have one-ups in them or other things in them. But if you don't have this furball guy, yep. just like in Kid Cool, by yeah. the way, um, he'll, like, hop on your back. Yeah. And if he's on your back and you press punch, you won't punch. You'll throw him across the screen. Like a boomerang. Uh, he'll go out there, wait a few seconds, and then come back to you. Yep. And he becomes like a weapon. Now, if he's out, you can punch again. That's until right. Until he comes back. And 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 some eggs will have bad guys in them. So what I got used to doing is when you punch an egg, you just keep punching. Always yeah. be punching. A B B. Always be punching. Because if because my motto <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you punch an egg and it doesn't have a power up and it has a bad guy, it's A B P, bro. Always be punching, bro. <laughs> Fight. 
<laughs> that was my motto in this game. ABP, always be punching. Uh, always be pressing forward is my game. Yeah. Um, here's another fun one. I, I guess I should let this play. I don't know if you caught on to this or not. And this was the same in Kid Cool. It's a bizarre mechanic I've never seen in any other game. Okay. If you have an ohm, uh, you and you have to use this later on specifically, mm-hmm. you come up to water. Yeah. If you have enough momentum and you just run into the water, you'll start skipping like a stone oh, across it. I never tried that. It's bizarre, but you get, you kind of just have to learn it. That's actually kind of neat. Um, I should have. I should. If I knew that, I would have tried it. Yeah, it's interesting, but you've got to have enough space. If you don't have quite enough speed, you literally just stop dead track and just sink in I the just water. Sink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Now this now this is another thing that both Kid Cool and Psycho Fox and Decap Attack all have in common. Yeah. For whatever reason, they throw these large flagpoles. Yeah, almost like the Mario flags, but they flex. But they flex and like they you in, can th- in theory they can you can you. Sh- toss yourself. Now yeah. here's the thing: almost none of those flagpoles have any real purpose from what i can tell yeah they don't there was one in the beginning that put you up on a platform that had an egg up there but some of them just there's nowhere it just launches you into the ocean or straight into an enemy like there's no yeah and if you don't get right in the very top you almost get no speed anyways it's hard to even get a good fling off of it yep now Um, i will say the colors in this game while i was telling you were primary colors they're great they're, it's very colorful. Very in fact, colorful. The colors are, they pop, as my daughter would say. The they colors pop. pop. They are, I would say they're primary. I mean, they're a color wheel. Yeah. They're primary and secondary colors straight on. I mean, they're yep. they're vibrant and big. I wouldn't say the colors are, they're different, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. say they're any worse than Kirby. No. Um, they're just different. And the music in this was actually pretty good. I enjoyed I it. I couldn't, I would say it's, it was good enough. I wouldn't say any of it was memorable. Okay. Um, so, what is what was i going to say about this <laughs> i have so much to say oh the last thing i want to say that was again i keep saying negatives um this screen scrolls up down left right all over the place that's right um these are cool they're bridges that fall out from underneath you which you have to have momentum otherwise you get really frustrated on them yeah um look at that go go <laughs> it stresses me out just watching it um but part of the, the thing that kills me is, like, if you fall off of one of these, or even if you jump off of one, yeah. and there's no platform to land on, you just have to memorize where stuff would might be below you by playing it and dying over and over again. There's, like, no indication of where you're going to land. Blind jumps. It blind jumps all a over the place. A lot of blind jumps everywhere, and that is a concern, because that just means you need to memorize levels, and that just... I, I don't like that. I don't like not knowing, like... Like like that, he didn't know he was gonna. I mean, it's possible he didn't know he was gonna land on something. So yeah, it. it I don't like blind jumps, and that there are a lot of them in this game. Uh, so you get the end of three stages per level, and then yep. you pl- fight the bosses. Now I do like the boss battles. Yeah, the boss I battles. I wish you had more, cool. more more momentum. This one's really cool. You this yep. guy is building himself out of stacks of plates. Yep. And you have to kind of step on this machine that shoots a bullet kind of at and knocks one of those stacks out, so it gets shorter and shorter. Yep. Um, we need to talk about the the character switching and power-ups. I didn't learn about that until I was almost done with the game. Really? I played almost the whole game as the fox. Yeah, So yes. and, and that, that brings us to another, I guess, maybe downside to this game is you don't need to necessarily use the... the well, same with Kirby, though. That is the same with Kirby. Which I actually liked. I liked that you didn't need to. Correct. But, but when I found out about these, these characters, you can become... It opened up a whole different world for me. So let's talk about... Um, my mic started to... 
tip over all of a sudden. Your heavy mic there. So just ignore the mic noise. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know why it started doing that all of a sudden. But anyway, let's start off with what you collect. You collect these things called shit. Is it Shintu rods? I don't, I, oh, I, I don't, I don't remember the name. There, so there are these rods that you collect that when you go to the pause screen, you can select them and that allows you to change characters. Yes. Now there's four characters. There's the fox, the hippo, the monkey, the monkey, and the cheetah. Is that right? Is it a cheetah? I don't remember. Um, but anyway, they all do slightly different things, and the key word is slightly different things. Tiger. Tiger. Like tiger. I'm sorry, tiger. So they all do slightly different things. The hippo can break... Th- he doesn't jump very high, but he can break through certain blocks. There's that, blocks that he can punch and break through, which none of the other characters can. That's correct. The uh, monkey... Jumps super high. Jumps super high, and then the other guy moves very fast. The tiger... Yeah. Once I found him, I fell in love with, because yeah. he... Gets up to speed quicker. Yes, exactly. And kind of gets rid of that momentum issue. But like you said, you don't necessarily have to switch characters a lot. You can just stick with the one you like. Yeah, which I think is a benefit, honestly. Yep. With the exception of the hippo. Yep. If you want to get certain areas, you have to break those blocks. Yep. Once I found the tiger, I never went back. Yep. The tiger made the game infinitely more playable and enjoyable. Yeah. So then the other power-ups are there's a little bottle of something that gives you like your uh, unbeatable, right? Or like, uh, is it brief invincibility? Brief invincibility. You can just run through a level, crashing into people and knocking them down. And um, there is also a oh man. I was hoping to look to find the uh, the Shinto stick. So I was right. Shinto, Shinto stick. stick. I don't know why I remembered that. The Shinto stick allows you to switch characters, and you get plenty of them through levels. So you'll end up with twenty of them. Um, the so there's the bottle of thing that makes you invincible. Then what is the other thing? The bag? Like there's like a bag. There's a bag, and you have to get multiple bags. Yeah. So we didn't touch that on that yet. But at the end of every level, yep. Um, it's this is it's this game which um, <clears throat> I guess is a traditional Japanese game called like Amida. Yeah. So if you ever played the original arcade classic Amidar, yeah, that's based on this concept, which is multiple paths. You can't see the top. And when you send someone down one of the paths, they have to take every turn that arrives. Okay. So you basically put your fox at one of the paths. Um, but if you have like three or four bags, you can put that many foxes at each path. Okay. Basically put bets on them. And when they get to the end, it could go down a hole where you get nothing. It could end up with one of these items, which you get... Which is a uh, single power-up? A power-up. Or else, if you end up at the little temple here, you get uh, a certain amount of lives. It, it scrolls like a jackpot and you hit enter. And for, in this case, if you had two bids on this one, he hit plus five, so you'd get ten lives. Oh, two foxes uh, yeah. at at, the, at five lives each. I didn't know how that mechanic so was a little gambling. That's nice to know. Yeah, a little gambling <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, you, it, it's very similar to Kirby in the fact that different levels, different stages, uh, they all look a little different. I think there were seven total, just like Kirby. Yeah. Um, and I beat this game as well. Nice. I think um, I got to level I got to level four and I ran out of time, but I enjoyed my time with it. I mean, it's well, I don't want to paint a picture that this is a bad game at all. It's a f- it is fun. There are some quirks about it that make it uh, a little frustrating, but it really is fun. I mean, if I just sat down in the afternoon and was like, "Hey, I want to play this game all day and try to beat it," I could I wouldn't get I wouldn't get so frustrated where I think I would just throw my controller against the wall and, like, walk out and not go back to it. I think it's... You mean like I did with Kid Cool when I was young? <laughs> exactly. 
so yeah it's interesting um when i first played that first level probably yeah. the first two times when i loaded this game back up I'm like crap yeah i'm like why is this game popular and i'll be honest with you i still have that sentiment i don't understand why people consider this a top five game and that is fair enough that being said mm-hmm. um it took me a solid probably hour or two before i started to actually enjoy it and that's where I got, because I only put, like, maybe about, I don't know, two and a half hours into this game, and I never really reached a point where I was truly enjoying it like I was with Kirby. Oh, yeah, Kirby, I was loving it. This <laughs> game, I got to the point where I was enjoying it. Um, we're watching the final boss here. And the boss battles are fun. I like the boss battles. They're the best part of the game. Yeah. Um, and they're not... They're not they're not unfair. They're not. They're not super difficult. The only thing unfair about them is how slow it takes you to move places. Sure, it's, it's the same sure. issue. Yep. But with the tiger, especially when the hard ones that towards the end, the tiger, I can make it work. Right. Um, there is also some bosses where you can kind of cheat, um, where you can just stand on the mechanic. Yeah. And then every time the enemy gets near you, it literally lifts you off of it and drops you on it, and it yeah. kills the enemy. <laughs> I just now, st- stand wh- the whole time, didn't move. Now, wasn't it that every Every boss in here, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't remember, it it was three hits and they're done, right? I believe that was the case, yeah, yeah. with the exception of the last boss. Okay, I believe with the that. Ex- which I didn't reach, but for every other boss, it's three hits and they're done, but every hit is a unique way to hit them. Oh, yeah, each boss, I mean, yeah, yeah, it wasn't the same strategy every time. You, kinda, you yeah, had to figure exactly. it out, which I It wasn't I like just shooting or punching something. It was like some strategy like most bosses. Which... Yeah. By the way, we didn't really mention it in Kirby. Mm-hmm. If you had like a sword, you can just jump up to the boss and attack it. Yeah, exactly. You can you can you can kind of get yeah. past bosses pretty easily yep. if you have the right weapon and you can just yep. attack them. Yep. Um, so ultimately, I went expecting to hate it. Mm-hmm. I spent an hour probably hating it. <clears throat> I spent an hour probably going, okay, I think I can hang. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last probably hour or two, I loved it. Or not, I shouldn't say loved it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Good. Um, not like I said, not a bad game. Worth worth trying out. Yes, I, I do. Like you said, I do question why it's a top, top game. five Master System game because I can think of a like handful of games right now that I'd rather play than this one. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm I, saying I, Master System. Yeah, I still don't understand why it's held in such high regard. I don't get it. Because for, for our listeners, Sega Master System was one of those systems that I didn't have as a kid. One of my friends did have it, but only had a handful of games. It's one of those systems, when you get it, you're like, why didn't this do better? Why didn't this do better against the Nintendo? Terrible D-pad. It, th- <laughs> it does have a terrible D-pad. It does have a terrible D-pad, <laughs> but the system itself... I played this whole game with that D-pad. Yeah. The only issue I had was when you're trying to duck. If you're trying to duck an enemy, <clears throat> yeah. that D-pad wants you to pop up and down and constantly like yeah. not duck, not duck, duck, not duck. Fair enough. <laughs> but it's system to system, like it... The Se- yeah, Sega yeah. Master System has great games, colorful, nice sound. I I always wonder why it didn't do better against Nintendo, but Nintendo's, you know, they, they have the marketing. They they in America, yeah, yeah. But in J- in Japan, in uh, England, this thing took over. Yeah, this was the system, you know. Yeah, cool. All right, All right out of 30, thirty awkward mascot heads. Yeah. You want me to go first? Yep. I'm going to give this a 19 out of 30. Okay. I actually, I'm surprised. I'm going to give it a little, slightly higher. I'm going to give it a 21. 21. I ended up enjoying it. Yeah. I don't know if I'll go back and play it, though. 
I probably won't either. Whereas Kirby, I'm probably going to try. Kirby is like just lovable and fun, and I yeah. just want to go back and play it just to play it. Yep. There's so, other games that I have highly regarded that I'm not going to go back and play. Yeah. Fair enough. But, so anyway, Kirby's Adventure is the winner here. It's a great game. Go out and play it. Play both of these. Try them out. Woo-hoo! And then also for uh, for this particular game. Yeah. And then for Doug. Yogurt. <laughs> Inside joke. Sorry. Eric, that wraps up an episode of Pixel Guide. In. Wow. On the next episode, episode 61, which will come out on June 30th. Yes. Uh, we will have Tim on the show to catch up about our latest doings and things. We've got a lot to cover. Um, one of us will do a game show. I don't think we figured out who's doing that yet, but one of us will do a game show. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to hear Cody's Corner, where I talk about uh, a brief history, but more importantly, the games that made me fall in love with the Commodore 64 when I first learned about it in 2014. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, you I'm looking some, forward to that. I had some, something to do with Something that. to do with. So, Perfect. Uh, and then that will also be released, hopefully same day, but or if not soon after, on YouTube in video format. Oh, nice. Looking forward to that. Uh, is the goal there. So, cool right. beans. Uh, anything else we need to mention before we uh, send the viewers, the listeners, on their way? I think we're good. Well, perhaps we should give them a little bit of a warning, Eric. <laughs> Maybe we should say... It's dangerous to go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>